to show. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Off the Nets Podcast. So I had to hit that uh, Rhonda Shear USA all night. I can't even get the high pitch right now. My voice is all jacked up. So this week on the podcast, I'm going to have um, an incredible guest that I wanted to talk to him about his journey and his journey specifically as it relates to weight loss, because I'm trying to shed some pounds myself. So I want to get some pointers from our guests and also just find out, you know, just his story and also jujitsu. It always comes back to jujitsu. So I want to welcome to Off the Mats this episode, Joshua Hill. How you doing, Josh? Doing fantastic. Hello, hello. Awesome. Thank you for uh, doing this. I do appreciate uh, you being the guest and sharing your time with me. So thank you. Thank you. No, oh, absolutely. Thank you for having me. And um, definitely is something that's I think a lot of people have kind of a struggle with. So it's kind of cool to talk about and it's kind of cool to be able to speak to it if best I can. I mean, I'm just, I'm just going along with it kind of like a lot of people do. So. Sure. Absolutely. I always find it um, refreshing to speak to someone different to get their perspective and specifically how it works for you because, you know, weight loss isn't a one size fits all type deal. It's different for everyone. So it's always interesting to see, you know, where things came from for you and how you got to, where you are currently. So um, how everything started for you. So first off, you you uh, train jiu-jitsu as well, correct? Yeah, I train six days a week. <clears throat> well, that, that's part. That, that <laughs> I cut some of that weight right there. <laughs> yeah, that that uh, that took a lot, lot of it right there. Yeah, I train uh, Monday through Friday, and then I take Saturday off, and then I do uh, an open mat on Sundays. Nice. Nice. That's that's a, a good spread there. And an open match are always, I think, always so helpful. So that's solid. Uh, so when so when you were um, losing weight, so when did it all start for you? Like, at what point did you say to yourself, like, man, I, I, I got to do something here? Um, yeah, so, like, I've tried losing weight different ways, right? Like, I've tried keto. And I was like, oh, I got a lot of success with that. And all of a sudden, next thing you know, uh, I ate a crunch bar or something. I'm off keto. And next thing I know, I lost 50 pounds but gained back 75, right? So keto failed. And I just didn't think keto was sustainable. And a friend of mine, she's a nutritionist. And she said, uh, from her perspective, keto is like terrible because it's basically telling your body you're starving all the time. And so she said, unless you're like taking all the vitamin supplements to not like basically kill your kidneys because you're just put so much strain on your kidneys and going into ketosis um, that it's basically a shortcut and it's just really not the healthy way to do it. Um, and so I took her advice and I stopped and I ballooned back up. And then um, in February, uh, right before the pandemic started hitting, uh, my brother overdosed on fentanyl and ended up in the hospital and he ended up passing away. And my brother is just in great shape. I mean, my brother's younger and he was just, um, it was really sad to kind of like, I'm sitting here, I'm like this, you know, 365 pounds, maybe 350 pounds. I don't exactly know. Once you start getting high enough, you stop stepping on the scale because you're like, oh, this shirt kind of fits. I don't need to know, you know? So you don't really 
watch your weight at that point. Um, and so I'm sitting there watching him in the hospital and, you know, nurses are walking in and he's a good looking guy and he's just ripped, right? My brother worked out all the time. He was a hard worker. And the only reason he survived an overdose initially to make it to the ICU was because he was in such great shape. And, you know, at the time um, he was 26 and his body was just, you know, ripped. And then over the course of the two weeks, his body, you know, you start losing the muscle mass when you're not working out as much. And I just remember thinking like, man, like he's sitting there dying. And so am I, right? Cause I'm right next to him. And I'm like, I need to do something about this. And then um, to honor him was like, I want to get in his shape. Like, because him and I were built the same. Um, we had the same frame, right? And he was just using it better than I ever did. And so then the pandemic started picking up. And of course we're all in the lockdown, right? And uh, obviously everybody knows like, you know, the biggest risk for COVID and dying of COVID was uh, obesity being heavy so at that point i remember i was in the grocery store and everyone's got their masks on i have my gloves on and i'm just like sick of this like i'm like i don't want to be afraid right i don't want to be i just i need to do something and i can't do it with a mask on and stuff and so my daughter i uh, was playing soccer and uh, they finally got back out to the fields and they were like doing social distance soccer which is kind of interesting if you've ever seen a soccer field um but they were just basically doing a lot of passing drills yeah and uh, I remember seeing one of those guys walk up and he was one of the kids' dads and he was just this alpha male. And he reminded me of my brother uh, and my dad, like in just great shape. And I asked him, I was like, hey, man, like, you know, what do you do? Because I knew he was a hard worker, right? This, uh, this guy's name is Keith and he's now one of my best friends. Um, and I asked him, I said, what do you do? And he was like, oh, man, uh, I do jujitsu. And I was like, oh, is that kind of like Muay Thai? And he's laughing. He's like, no. <laughs> no. And he just like, he just laughed and he explained it. And I was like, oh, it's kind of like wrestling. He was like, yeah, that's close to it. And he's like, want to, you know, he's like, I've got mats up in my house. Do you want to come wrestle or, or come, come do some roles? And I said, sure. And so um, I went over to his house and immediately uh, I wrestled back in high school for a couple of years and it kind of came back to me. I was just like, man, I fucking love this, <laughs> you know? And I'm like, I can do this. And I remember just getting the sweat on. And, um, I also, at the same time was doing some work on my house. So I started losing a little bit of weight just from doing the yard work. And like I was putting in a driveway. So I was building a retaining wall during the summer. Um, and so anyway, so at that point, like I felt confident that I did enough outside yard work to get on the mats. And, uh, so I, he said, yeah, email our professor. And when you email him, you know, just tell him, you know, me. So I did. And I showed up on a Monday and I haven't left. Um, I remember they asked him, you know, he was like, Hey, are you good to roll? Like, you know, asking if I wanted a break and I just didn't want to be that big, heavy guy and just be like, yeah, I need a break. And I just kept pushing through. I was like, fuck it. You know, I was like, I don't need no break, <laughs> you know? And I just kept going and kept going. Um, and yeah, I've been there. So that my first day was September 1st of 2020. So it's just been over two years now. Cool. And I was just going to ask like, you know, what around about when you started so yeah just just over two years that's pretty good run and especially considering what was all going on because i know a lot of places everything was shut down. i think that's we opened back up on the same july and we didn't feel right until about maybe september october just didn't feel 
like jujitsu. Like we had to come in and we had the mats kind of, we had squares taped off. It's like, okay, you have to do your solo drills and these squares and how to wear your mask. And it, it, it was really bizarre, but I mean, it, it's, you know, still good that that was available to you, especially during those times. So good. good. Yeah. They had, um, they had done, I guess, some video jujitsu, um, but Keith's house, I guess, was kind of like a prohibition jujitsu studio because he had the mats upstairs in the, like a loft area. And so he would have people coming over and they're like, can we, can we roll? <laughs> you know, and it was like people were coming over to his house and getting a fix. So he became like kind of a, uh, the nucleus of like a lot of people coming over and using the mats because there's no, you know, liability. It's just a guy in his house hanging out. Right. Um, so it was, it was cool because, you know, he really, um, made that available to me and I was able to, you know, exercise on that. And then once we got, I got over to the school, um, I remember like, it was just kind of like a lot of people were like, we're not talking about the COVID stuff. Like, you know, if you're sick, get out, you know, if you feel the symptoms, get out, don't, don't come around and all that kind of stuff. So that was, uh, that was just like the big part of it. Like they still, we were rolling. And I remember the first guy I rolled with a uh, good friend of mine, Addison, uh, he was probably, I think 180 pounds or so. And like I said, I, I was around 350 at that point. Cause I did, step on the scale after I was done with the yard work and I saw I was like at 348. Um, and I realized that cause I was doing the yard work for a couple of weeks, I'd lost obviously some weight. Like I could notice that difference. Um, so I got in there about 348, 350 and Addison was 180 and he just destroyed the shit out of me. And he was, uh, I think a two or three story, two or three stripe white belt at the time. And I was just like thinking like, there's no way this little guy is going to fuck. Oh my Okay. Tap, tap, tap. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? I was just like, another, you know? And so I just did it again and did it again. And um, I mean, I just, it was probably a good month and a half straight of just being choked and abused by men and women alike, you know? And our professor, he, he threw like girls at me. He was like, yeah, they'll kick your ass too. And I, and I wasn't like this big, like, they can't touch me type thing. You just kind of naturally think like, I could probably hold my and you're just like, no, these people have a superpower and it's called Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Have fun. And uh, so, yeah, so that was a big part of it, too. I have a competitive nature and um, obviously wanted to get fit for uh, my brother. And then also I have a daughter, um, Avery. She's 11. And for me, it was wanting to be here for her. Right. And making sure, like, as we lost my brother, like seeing obviously death, everyone's seen death at some point or another. Um, and when it's family, it's it's always tough. Um, but I didn't want to imagine a world where she had to lose her dad at a young age because of whether it be COVID or obesity or um, heart disease, et cetera. So I, I really, um, that was the final, I think, kind of X on the list of things of like, dude, you got to fucking get off your ass and do some, something about this shit. Um, and yeah, so that's kind of where, that's how my journey got started. And you said that you, you know, wrestled previously, like back in high school and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Were you back then just, you know, heavier then, or were you more, um, I guess, fit for the times, like for wrestling? No, I remember uh, I was, I didn't do any sports at all growing up. Like I was a big video game nerd, um, love video games, comics, and all that kind of stuff. 
And I remember I was walking around campus and this wrestling coach comes up to me and I was in football at that point. Like I started playing like on the, you know, uh, the fifth quarter team uh, for football, <laughs> just to kind of like get a Jersey on and try to do something. And I remember he comes, came up to me. He's like, you need to wrestle. He's like, you got the legs for it. And I, and I'm very bottom built. Like my thighs are fucking huge. Um, and so he wanted me to wrestle. And I, so when I jumped in the wrestling team, I was in the, I was at 195 my freshman year. And for the, you know, I'm six feet now. I don't know where I was when I was in high school height wise, but I don't think I was that much shorter. Um, but I was 195. And so I got down to about 185, 180, just wrestling. Uh, so I wrestled the 189 weight class. And then I also wrestled 215 uh, because they would take, we didn't have a 215 anymore. So we had two people in the 189 weight class. And so this guy, Mark and I, we would uh, alternate who would take 215 and who would take 189 unless it was a tournament and we would both enter for it. Um, and then at one point I got down to about 172, but it was really short lived. Um, I don't know why I didn't stay there. Uh, I just, I think it was just kind of a fluke that I got that low all of a sudden. I just dropped a lot of weight, but yeah, I stayed at 189 weight class for my freshman, sophomore year. And then, um, we moved around a lot as a kid. So I didn't really, uh, I went from Carlsbad high school to orange Glen, um, which was out here in the San Diego area. And so when I went to orange Glen high school, uh, I just didn't wrestle. Uh, it was just one of those things where I just went to a new school and, uh, met some new folks and spent more time. I think, you know, hanging out with my friend, Mike and just calling and hanging out and playing Zelda and playing Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh and shit like that. And, wrestling just kind of went to the wayside and I just felt a lot more comfortable at that point playing with nerdy stuff uh, rather than going back to wrestling. And I did really well when I was a freshman and sophomore, but um, I just didn't stick with it in high school when I changed. Sure. I get you. I mean, wrestling is a, is a weird one. Cause it's like when you're doing well in it, it's very rewarding. I'm sure, but it's so tough that it's like once you're away, you're like, man, fuck that. Like, as you mentioned, Zelda is like, yeah, I'll, I'll take Zelda over, you know, fucking doing burpees and, and <laughs> running and all of that. That's, I still think wrestlers are psychopaths, and no one's going to convince me otherwise. But hey, whatever. I think I think us people who do jujitsu, we're, we're not tightly wound either. But. I think wrestlers are even fucking more crazy because I don't know, man. Like, I, I think if you, if you find like wrestlers or psychopaths, which I may not disagree with, I think people that do jujitsu got to be like a bit of a sociopath or mas masochist or something like that, because there's, yeah, there's true. definitely some kind of, uh, you know, there's something there when you're like, Oh yeah, get choked. Maybe that's fine. It's not a big deal. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like when, when I'm getting any, any kind of, if I'm in any kind of a awkward position, especially like, you know, guillotine or even if somebody's got my back, I just start giggling and smiling and I might even like start singing, like not like blatantly like singing, but you know, I'm like humming a song and it's like, like what the fuck is wrong with this guy? Like, dude, I trust me. I'm scared. This is what I do when I'm scared. Would you rather me pee myself? Like, <laughs> what are you singing? Is it like nursery songs? Like, are you just like going back into like a fetal position and you're just like rocking and you're just like. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it varies. Sometimes I, you know, I used to be a preschool teacher. So, you know, I might, you know, hum John Jacob Jingleheimer Schmidt, shit like that. 
They're like, what the fuck is wrong with this guy? Like, uh, just just let him do it. He'll he'll tire himself out and then he'll tap. Like, yeah, when Dante starts seeing it, hands, shoulders, knees, and toes, you know you're he's about to submit. It's like uh, it's like, are you telling me which which you know submission to go for? It's just no wrist locks. Uh but but no, that that's a you know, again, a fair journey though, because wrestling is it's it's rewarding, but at the same time, it's it's really crazy. So, you know, choosing video games and you know, you know, the nerd life over over going out there and again being a lunatic. I'm gonna I'm gonna choose that nerd life every time. But I get you. But yeah, um, so as you you know began you know jujitsu and you know kind of started going through your weight loss journey what was your nutrition like what was like the diet routine for you man um it was kind of interesting so it was two things at the same time that are completely opposite on the spectrum so one i really didn't change a whole lot intentionally um so what i mean is that like uh i would still eat spaghetti again i would still eat everything i just wanted but jujitsu naturally made me less hungry um we would after jujitsu like we would um because our class is at six o'clock at night and we run till about 7 30 we don't get out to 7 45 and if you stay for a couple extra rounds you're not leaving till eight um so we would go over and get like a juice or something afterwards and a lot of the guys that would be at their dinner and i would go home and you know my wife would have dinner ready and stuff uh, but I just wouldn't eat that much. I'd be like, I'm just kind of full, whether it be the juice or the exercise. So naturally, I just started intaking less. Um, but I didn't really change what I was eating. Uh, unless I was competing, uh, then I would try to strategically, because uh, I like to compete quite a bit. So uh, I would change kind of what I'm eating like the week of. And I know they say not to do that, but uh, I find that it's better to kind of be as clean as you can. Uh, so yeah, so I do, um, so I didn't really change what I was eating, um, just naturally because of jujitsu, I started changing how much. And then I never really thought of food as fuel. I was just thought of like food as like mm, delicious, you know? Uh, and then a buddy of mine got laid off one day and he calls me up. He's like, I need a buddy. And I'm like, okay. And so we went over and we went to a bar and I called my boss. I said, Hey, my buddy just got fired. Uh, can I go leave work early? And he's like, yeah, sure. And I work from home, which is also a big reason of why I gained so much weight so quickly. Cause I was not even getting out of the house. Like my commute was making sure the dog wasn't in the hallway tripping me up, you know? Um, so anyway, so I called my boss and he said, yeah, go ahead and go over. So I went over to uh, meet my buddy for brunch. It was like 11 o'clock in the morning on Friday. And, uh, we had, I think maybe like one or two cocktails. And like, I had this potato dish. It was like hash browns and eggs and some shit. And that was at 11 o'clock. Right. And then when I got to class later that night at six, we did warm ups. And dude, I was so freaking dead. Like I was dragging ass in warm ups. And I'm like, holy shit, what I put in my body matters. And that at one point, I think was a giant eye opener for the weight loss journey. Right. It was like going, Oh, so there's a correlation to my fuel intake and my fuel expenditure. Um, so then like I started, you know, making sure I was cutting back on alcohol and I started cutting back on, you know, really heavy complex carbs and such like that at certain points of the day. And specifically, like I try to make sure I eat now by like 11. 
uh, I'll try to eat like a good sized meal by 11 and then around three o'clock, two o'clock, I'll try to have a little snack of some carb or something uh, just to give myself a little fuel, maybe some grapes, uh, you know, something's just simple. But yeah, so once I started noticing the fuel in and fuel out portion of it, that's when I saw some spikes. Cause when my first month and a half of jujitsu, I think I probably lost like 30 pounds right away. Like I, I lost, I got down to about 320 by November and I started in September. So that, and again, I started around 350. So I, I saw a big drop off right away. And then, um, yeah, so that, that was pretty much the answer to that question was more around, you know, the fuel, but yeah, to me now, and then I got to a spot where I got really stuck and I plateaued at 265. Um, and that's kind of jumping up in time, but around 265 and now I'm currently 235 ish right now. And when I was around 265, 270, I plateaued for months and I noticed that shirts were changing. My clothes kept changing. Um, I started off at a size 48 waist and around 270, I think I was at size 40 waist. Um, and I was really getting frustrated. And luckily for me, jujitsu, right? Cause any weight loss journey, you're going to hit those plateaus. Right. And the thing you always hear people say is just push through it, man. You know, just, just keep going. It's a marathon, not a sprint. You know, you hear all these cliche things, which are true, but they don't necessarily help you. <laughs> right. You're like, I, I know I need, I know what I need to do, but I'm really frustrated. And how do you keep moving if you don't see results uh, with weight loss? Right. But because the weight loss almost became secondary to the jujitsu, right? At some point I started clicking in my head that I want to lose weight to be better at jujitsu, not jujitsu better to lose weight, you know? So it kind of reversed itself where um, there was a point where I couldn't tie my shoes, man. And I had to like do this weird, awkward lean to the side to tie my shoes. And now over here, I'm, you know, doing half-assed Baron Bolos. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like, so it got to a point where, I really just wanted to do jujitsu, which helped me through those plateaus, which I think where I've had struggles in the past before was I would go to the gym, I'd lose all this weight and then it would stop. Um, so the jujitsu for me was that. And then once I was at that 265, uh, a buddy of mine, uh, Josue, who really helped me a lot with this because he was also uh, he was also really heavy when he started. And so he gave me a lot of pointers and he really took me under his wing and we went to the sauna together. We started going to the gym together. He started helping me out with a lot of diet stuff going, going, dude, don't eat that shit. And he goes, here's what you should eat. And so he would send me things and, you know, really help motivate me uh, and give me more ideas. And so really just, he's like, why are the hell aren't you counting your calories? And I'm like, well, I think I have an idea of what I'm eating. And then once I started counting calories, I'm like, Oh, I'm, I'm a fucking idiot. <laughs> you know? So I, I realized that, you know, two giant bowls of rice isn't 200 calories. Right. Um, so anyway, so, once I started counting calories, I kind of like did a little sprint from 260 to 240. Uh, and that's kind of where I've gotten to from here. Yeah. Uh, when you mentioned the the shoe tie-in part, that made me chuckle because I know I run into that every so often. And I'm not, I'm not too, too heavy, but there are times when I go to tie my shoe and I'm like, oh, fuck. Like, all right, all right, how do I how do I get this? And my daughter, she's not quite at that point of shoe tying yet, so I can't can't convince her to do it yet. Because little kids, they love to tie some shoes once they learn. So 
I, I still got to cut some weight myself. Yeah. But, and I'll, I'll tell you, I, I had to have my daughter tie my shoes sometimes, you know, and it was just, it was embarrassing. And then she was just, she's such a sweetheart. She'd be like so happy to do it. Um, but I was like embarrassed. So I'd be like, I got flip flops, you know, and out here in California, flip flop weather is generally 12 months of the year anyways. Um, so I can get away with that. Obviously it hurts your back and all that kind of stuff. But, um, so I really started just going towards flip flops. And then once I started losing the weight, I noticed that also like shoes fit more comfortably because my feet weren't so swollen and big. And, um, you know, I really think I was at a spot where I was pre-diabetic because I would have like blood sugar drops and my feet were kind of looking diabetic ish. Um, when I first started my journey, you know, when I first started before I did jujitsu and all that. So that was, that was something that was kind of also adding up. And there's just all these like health warnings where you're like, Hmm, that click in my heart doesn't feel good right now. And you just ignore it. And you just realize "Ah, it's just probably a thing. You know, I remember there's this Louis CK joke where he talks about, um, having bad knees and he goes to the doctor and the doctor's like, Oh no, you're 40. That's just what you do. You just live with you and your shitty knee until you both die. And I always thought that was funny, but I would always use that as like, oh, I just got a shitty rib, you know, and no, my fat belly was poking through my rib and I was you know, giving myself a hernia. So it was just like all these things where I would just ignore health signs that I shouldn't have ignored for too long and tying shoes being one of them. As you're mentioning all these warning signs, I'm like, I'm, I'm like smirking over here, but I'm thinking like, oh shit, that's, oh fuck. Like, like God damn it. But I like honey buns. <laughs> uh, I mean, but but you know, it's true. You know, we've gotten to a point in in our culture where we're just you know we think, oh, okay, well, it's just that you know you just live with it, and then next thing you know, it's too late. So you know, I'm glad you know you took the initiative. You know, you you, you know started making strides in the right direction. Just understanding that because, you know, before we know it, you know, pre-diabetic becomes diabetic and then mm-hmm. it, it, it's all just a shit show from there. So I'm glad you, you know, went the other way versus many others, myself included, where we're just like, eh, just embrace, embrace who you are, except yeah. that I'm not going to let anybody fat shame me. Dude, and you know, it was, I was at a, there was a point where, um, it was after my brother had passed shortly after we had went to Disneyland and well, we had went to Knott's Berry Farm, which is kind of another theme park out here. It's not too far from Disney, but it's more of a roller coaster park. And I remember I couldn't get on the rides with my daughter and I'm just sitting there in tears, right? Because the, the latch won't come down and this poor 17 year old kid is trying their fucking best to get the same to make the three clicks and they're like someone dude just exhale one two three we both got this and they would like shove the thing down on my chest and i'd be like we're good you know and my daughter's like yeah we wrote this dad you know um and then we went to disneyland and disneyland was very much for more forgiving on the rides you know they they go hey we know america's fat let's make sure that the rides fit you know a good amount of americans and so disney i was like yeah i feel thin again right um but then we went out to dinner with some friends and he had had uh, gastric bypass surgery and he had lost a bunch of weight and he was showing me these pictures and I had no idea like how heavy he had been. And I remember, you know, we all split a dessert and I'm just sitting there and I never really had much of a sweet tooth and I just started crying. 
you know, my daughter's like sitting there going like, is everything okay? And like, my friends are looking at me and they are just like sad as well. Like no one finishes the dessert. I ruined the night, night for everybody. Um, but I was like saying, I just don't want to be fat anymore. And I was happy that we got to go to Disneyland and ride most of the rides, but like, it was really, um, it was really a part where I think that was the biggest turning point after my brother had passed. And it was just like, I couldn't keep moving forward in the direction I was going. Um, and so it just kind of like all came back and I was just like, you know what, enough's enough. Like that again was another one of those X's that was just on my list of like things that were just like, Hey, dude, wake the fuck up. So where you're at now in your, in your journey, you so say you're down to 235. Yeah. I mean, I was like 234 this morning, I think um, after dinner, I'm probably like 235. So yeah, I'm, I'm trying to get down to 217 because the ultra heavy weight bracket, which is where I compete right now, is a fucking beast. Like, you know, guys in that weight bracket, man, they're they're either like 230 pound collegiate football players that decided to start jujitsu, and they're just giant men that are chiseled Greek gods, or you got guys that are like 500 pounds and they're trying to do what I'm doing, right? And they're just out there trying their hardest. And you get under some of these guys and you can't move, right? And it's like, it's really frustrating because you've got other brackets and it's like 195 to 205. You're like, okay, there's not a whole lot of where you can go in that 10 pounds or whatever it is, right? Where when you've got 225 and up, I mean, it's and up. You know, there was one guy at a tournament and he's still doing jujitsu. Um, but his first time, I, the first time I saw him, he was really heavy and he had this giant gi on and I felt bad because like he's out there killing it. Right. And he was inspiring to watch, but I'm like, man, it's just like, it's hard to go up against someone like that because he doesn't want to be the guy that's like just laying on anybody. Right. Um, but at the same time, it's like, you, there's not much you can do. Cause if you get side control on him, he's just going to flip you. And now I saw him at a tournament um, a couple months ago and he had lost also like 150 pounds or something. And he's still a big guy, but he's just getting there, you know, and he's just going through it. And he's like, hey, man, we're in this together. I'm like, dude, fucking amazing. So I'm glad it's not just me that's also finding this outlet um, because I really want to get to a spot where I can compete in super heavy. But with that being said, I went to ADCC this weekend and watching the ultra heavy matches in the highest levels when guys are like super athletic, I'm like, it's kind of tempting to just say, forget going skinny and just get really bulky. And, <laughs> you know what I mean? And just, just get like super muscular and just like own all the local competitions. So. Yeah, and um, yeah, yeah, you messaged me about um, ADCC. How was that experience for you? Dude, without a doubt, probably one of the best sporting events I will ever go to in my lifetime. Um I've been to football games, baseball games. I've fallen asleep at basketball games and baseball games both. And I've been to jujitsu tournaments, you know, local and, you know, some IBJJF stuff. And um, this by far was so intense. The crowd was amazing, right? Everybody would be silent when they should be silent. Everyone was, you know, cheering when they should cheer and watching the athletes. And you're talking the biggest names in the sport right now, right? You're seeing Gordon Ryan going up against Galval and, and, Gordon Ryan, I just don't understand how he is that much better than everyone else just out there. Like, 
I mean, he's submitting high level black belts in like 15 seconds or whatever it was. Like he's just like going in there. He's like, oh yeah, Ashigarami heel hook, we're done. And we're like, what the fuck was that, dude? Like we're it's mind blowing our minds, right? And then you know you're seeing you know you know people like Gabby Garcia, you know, getting beat by Amy Campo, and Amy Campo is like just out there, and you could tell she's just fighting her heart out. And you know Gabby Garcia is a super nice lady, and she's sitting there, you know. It's like a David and Goliath battle, right? And I don't know if you know Gabby Garcia, but she's like a very, very like yeah. physically large lady. And Amy Campo like did this like uh, dive in for a single leg, took her to the outside. And then we thought that she was just kind of like, call like, okay, I got my points for takedown, but she's out of the stands and she's trying to fucking arm bar her. And we're just like going losing our minds, dude. It was the coolest thing. Like it was just such high intensity and so much skill all in one building. Um, I mean, I was even talking to a buddy of mine and he was like, Oh, you're going to the Abu Dhabi's this weekend. And he doesn't even do jujitsu. He just watches it. And I'm like, dude, this is a fucking big deal. You know, Joe Rogan people were there. I mean, it was just, it wasn't just a, a local tournament. You know, I'll say that it was the Olympics for jujitsu. I don't know. I think this was the first time. Cause you know, I was, I'm out here in Maryland um, and also, I was at work. You know, I got people like, dude, are, are you watching this on flow right now? It's like, no. Like, I actually talked to one of my teammates. I was like, dude, you want to like go in on a flow account? <laughs> he was like, um, like maybe. And I was like, I was like, fuck it, dude. I'll do it. I'll, I'll pay for it. I'll pay for it. Like, just like, come on, let's go. Like, I'll pay for it. And like, you just pay me increments over, <laughs> you know, I, I don't care. Um, you know, then. <laughs> and it's like, well, you know, he he started talking some logic to me. I was like, okay, I got you. Went back to you know doing my my work, I guess, aka taking naps. Um, and I look up on Instagram, and it was just like all this amazing jujitsu taking place, all these upsets taking place. Yeah. And in that moment, like looking at this, and then you know, just everyone, like I'm getting messages from people. You know about it. I was like, I feel like this is that that moment that's, you know, jujitsu's growing and it's it's becoming more and more known. But I feel like this this weekend's ADCC was one of those shining moments that, as the sport continues to grow and get eyes on on it, I think the 2022 ADCC. Is going to be one of those moments that people, you know, call back to and say, "Look, it was here that this momentum really shifted." Because again, you got Gordon Ryan out there just making this shit look easy, dude. Hundred percent, man. And the go back to the flow account. Another reason is we we were in the stands, and you know, when you're at a live sporting event, you don't get those instant replays that you want. Dude, we had it on flow, and we're sitting there doing instant replays on our own. We're like. Oh shit! You know, I felt bad. Like Kendall Rusing like, tore her leg. She tore ACL, yeah. LCL, LCL, fractured her tibia. And we're sitting there watching it. And from our from our perspective, it looked like she had hit her head on the concrete. Uh, because the mm -hmm. matches at ADCC, dude, it's like the fucking Wild West when it comes to the matches. Like, you know, you go to an IBJJF tournament, and and I want to talk about that later, man, because <laughs> that's just another thing. But. Um, you go to an IBJJF tournament and you, you know, barely step out of bounds and like, Oh no, reset. You know, you go to ADCC and it's like, even if you're looking at the trials, I mean, they got fucking people going into the stands and they're still rolling and trying to go for a takedown and they're pulling 
fold-up chairs and pushing them out of the way so that the athletes can continue trying their takedown. I mean, that's so exciting to watch. And, you know, so go back to Kendall is like, she was in this match and she had her arms, you know, the ladies going for like a, looked like a body lock takedown of some sort. And she ends up twisting her knee, going to the ground. And we pulled it back up on flow instantly. And we're like, Oh shit, that was a fucking knee. Like you could see it clearly. And then finally, you know, they pulled her off and, um, you know, took her to the ER or whatever, but it, I mean, it was nice having flow in our hands so we can do our own instant replay, which, you know, you go to a baseball game or something like that, and you're just you're kind of at the mercy of either Fox Sports or <laughs> like hopefully the commentators will replay what you want them to. Yeah, it, it's jujitsu in a very special spot right now where you know we're we're kind of this is the ground floor, and we're we're all in on that ground floor. It then becomes a question of, you know, there's there's been talks over the years, people saying, you know, do you think jiu-jitsu will ever be in the Olympics? And people are like, well, I don't want it to be in the Olympics. It'll get ruined. But, uh, it's like, maybe, maybe not. I mean, you're going to still have ADCC. You're going to still have IBJJF. And honestly, I feel like these tournaments, these, these competitions are bigger anyway. Like, these mean more to our community versus – olympics that's you know more of a you know you know every kid at least me when i was a kid you know in track and stuff it's like i want to run i want to run track in the olympics you know that was everybody's you know dream going to run in olympics you know whereas if you're doing jujitsu you know there's no kid saying i want to do jujitsu in the the olympics it's like you know i want to you know as kids you know go to pans you know you know once you start you know aging up it's like you know i want to go to worlds you know american nationals adcc you know things like this you know those are our olympics those are Mm -hmm. our you know mainstream moments for this sport and you know honestly it's an amazing thing to be a part of be a fan of absolutely I, i can't really like even you know my wife she doesn't train but she's aware you know if i'm sitting there looking at something on my phone you know she'll you know come over look over like oh you know take a look at my daughter you know right. so i mean the, the, you know there is a interest there's an interest you know two people and i i used to get frustrated cuz i'll see cornhole on espn <laughs> what the fuck is this? Like, but right. we can't get jujitsu on ESPN. And and the thing is, though, it's it's almost kind of like it, it, like flow. I mean, their format is what it is because, like they said, they want to appeal to the actual fan, the the grappling fan, whether it be flow grappling, uh, you know, flow sports. Period. You know, whatever it is. They want to appeal to the hardcore fan versus the casual that may come in every so often. You know, like imagine jujitsu's on ESPN, and it's you know done a great deal for ESPN uh, as far as uh, the UFC goes. Um, but I can only imagine jujitsu being on ESPN, and they got like the little tweets in the corner, you know. Yeah, you know, and and Stephen A. Smith. 
you know, stepping in to say something that's uneducated and you know, like, well, you know, Gordon Ryan, you know, he is the king, but it's like just right. like, Stephen A. Shut the fuck up. Right. Someone with There's their no but. counter. There is no but. Like he was just like, oh yeah. Like they asked him afterwards, like, how much energy did you expend? He's like, about oh, 70%. And he takes out Galval, you know, body triangle, rear naked choke, and you're just like, holy shit, that was 70%. You know, and then it's like, which they're not even talking about, right? So going to ADCC, he competed in the full tournament bracket Saturday and Sunday. And the other thing is he was there signing things for fans until I think like nine o'clock at night on Saturday. He was there on Friday with fans. He was there on Thursday. He was there like the entire time burning up all this energy. And then even when he went to go compete with Andre, like he literally waited till the very last match, went over, walked around and came out. There was no warm up. You know, he goes straight from the last match to maybe a five minute intermission, 10 minutes. Like, there's no warm up there. Like, and he goes out and beats Galval, which Galval didn't compete in anything. I don't want to take anything, anything away from Andre, but like the fact that like Gordon was there for that entire time competing, signing stuff with fans, at, he had a whole booth set up. And it was just, it was amazing to see, man. And it's like he is the Muhammad Ali of Jiu Jitsu. And I think if we were to put it in an Olympic sport, it would be great because it would give Gordon Ryan a showcase. Right. But I think that judo has its place in the Olympics because you look at wrestling, they took wrestling out. And I mean, wrestling is one of the biggest college sports for young athletes. One of the biggest high school sports and women's wrestling right now. I don't know about Maryland, but California, it's getting huge. Like the number one female scholarship right now is golf. And the number two unused scholarship is wrestling and for females. And if you were to take a look at putting jujitsu in that sport and taking it to the Olympics, I think it would either do really well for judo or it might make judo go on the back burner. And I would hate to see that happen. Um, one of my uh, good friends, uh, Patrick, he owns a jujitsu school um, over in, up the street from us on Lake Elsinore, Shimaru. And he's got like spring mats because they do a lot of judo throwing. And he does jujitsu classes and he does judo classes. And I used to hate the idea of being thrown and taken down, but it wasn't until like those spring mats that I felt comfortable because there's a big guy like, okay, 250 pound guys throwing each other, maybe not a big deal. When you've got a 300 pound man that you're throwing and hitting the ground, my bone structure isn't that much different, you know, like that's a lot of pressure point impact. And so the spring mats are nice. And because of judo, I've learned a lot of judo techniques now that I use in my jujitsu. So I would encourage anybody like that wants jujitsu to be in the Olympics while it, and maybe there is a conversation for it. Try your judo out and see what you should be doing with judo, because that was a big step up in my game was being able to, and I don't go to judo. Um, I haven't gone to actually judo classes in a while, but I've taken the judo techniques and I kind of got past that fear. And now I'm using judo techniques um, in my opening for my takedowns because I really don't want to use my wrestling. I hate shooting. Um, trying to shoot a blast double or single leg, uh, 235 pounds, that's a lot of weight going down and coming back up. I'd rather just try to throw the shit out of somebody. Um, yeah. So so I'm just, it's a lot there. But like, I just, uh, I think that, you know, 
jujitsu would be great to have in the Olympics. It's going to be cool to say, but um, I think that judo is a good spot to watch. Yeah, I think, you know, the argument, well, I don't know about the, you know, IOC and what their discussions are, but I think a lot of people in, in our positions, their argument is that wrestling and judo, you know, jiu-jitsu is too similar to both of them on, on different spectrums. So, I don't know. I, I think, you know, if you put jiu-jitsu in the Olympics, you know, yeah, it, it does put it on a world stage. It gives a showcase, you know, for the average, you know, viewer, mm-hmm. um, whether they stick around to watch it. Because the unfortunate thing is I don't hear a lot of people talk about the judo um, uh, competitions at the Olympics. Wrestling, I hear a little bit, not a whole lot. But, you know, whenever they have judo um, in the Olympics, you don't hear a whole bunch. And, and I, I wonder if that becomes kind of a fear, too, with jiu-jitsu. It's like, you know, we'll obviously tune in as, you know, the community always comes together. But I, I think a big thing for it or a big hope for it would be, again, showcasing it to the world. You know, mm-hmm. showcasing it to my grandma who, you know, right. watches the Olympics, shit like that, you know, but, uh, uh, you know, would it matter, you know, at that point, or are we just better off keeping it where it's at and then letting it grow from that point? Cause I, I would like there to be some kind of a bigger exposure, but I say that now, but when UFC got its exposure on ESPN, I got pissed. <laughs> everyone, like all of a sudden I got people at work talking to me like, Oh yeah. Like I watch that shit. It's like okay, no, you don't. Yeah. Like, like you know, you're still talking about Chuck Liddell. Like you know that that's come and gone. That's almost twenty years ago, son. Relax. No, no, he just fought Tito not too long ago. Yeah, he shouldn't have. No. He, he definitely should not have fought Tito. No, that was yeah. very sad. Did you watch that documentary that's on Netflix about that about Chuck Liddell and Tito? Yeah, dude. Like I actually, yeah, I'm gonna go revisit that because I watched it. Um, a while back and i was like dude like i didn't know you know the, like i didn't know the story at all behind it. i didn't know they're like friends they like trained together and stuff like it was just like oh i thought these were just two motherfuckers in the oc right it, it was that time and, and tito does what tito does talk to shit and you know let's go so yeah it it's it, in and again espn has its place in sports and, and really highlighting things, you know, as time goes on, I think Netflix has a jujitsu documentary maybe um, in the works. So jujitsu is going to get its day in the sun, but I think where we are with it right now as a community, this, this recent ADCC is right now, like our Super Bowl, that's the top of the mountain oh, right now. Hundred percent, hundred percent. And I think that if jujitsu does make a way, make its way to the Olympics, I think it would have to be no gi grappling. Like, oh yeah, I, I I think that you know the gi is, and I don't want to say like being phased out, right? But I really think that because of its close relationship to MMA and how exciting MMA is. Um, and gi, you have a lot of opportunity to stall, whereas no gi, you really don't have as much of an opportunity unless you go to wrestling, which is why wrestling was phased out of the Olympics, right? Is that it wasn't bringing in 
any viewers because they would just sit there in a lockup and they would have two collar ties and that would be the the wrestling match right so i, I think that with jujitsu and the penalties that they have um that they're at least using the adcc rules i think if maybe they had a rule set like that where you definitely encourage the groundwork you know you put a timer in and points go live at five minutes later you know, I think if you had something to that effect, you use ADCC rules, you could see it in the Olympics and it wouldn't maybe take away from the judo portion of it. Um, it would be probably no different. I mean, who the hell wants to watch fucking eight different things of swimming, right? I don't get that. Like, I think the only reason swimming is as popular is because Michael Phelps just went in there and dominated, right? So yeah. if we shout got Gordon Ryan in his prime, <laughs> what's that? Said, shout out to Maryland. <laughs> yeah, right. Crab cakes and Michael Phelps. Congratulations, Marilyn. Um, <laughs> so. That's all we got right now. The Ravens just lost to the Dolphins. So we, like right now, you know, we don't got much. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, it's, um, which by the way, uh, side note, because I started jujitsu, I haven't followed football in two years. Dude, that, that happened to me <laughs> in the beginning. I, once I got into to jujitsu, I stopped paying attention. Like I ran fantasy football leagues and everything. I was like balls deep into all this stuff. I love football. I, I'm I still enjoy football, but once jujitsu started for me, all the other sports that I enjoyed, you know, they're just like kind of fell to the back burner. You know, I might catch it on ESPN late at night before bed, but I wasn't invested. It was it was all about. You know, let me go on YouTube, watch these techniques. Let me go right. to uh, BJJ Fanatics, you know, pick up, a, you know, another uh, set. You know, it, it's, you know, Who it, it has, it's magic. Yeah, I uh, I was watching, I was like at a Buffalo Wild Wings or something, and there was like football on. And I thought it was college football. I was like, wait, today's Sunday. And it was the Washington team. And I had no idea that Washington Redskins – got renamed i mean that's how far removed i was from football i was like oh my gosh like i it just completely blew my mind i was like how did i miss something like that and they're like yeah i don't even know what they're called i think it's the nationals is that right no so they for two years they were called the washington football team which i'm not gonna lie i kind of grew fond of that just because it's it's me being a shitty person saying you guys only have a fucking name for your team uh, they just call you the football team. Now they are called the Washington Commanders. That's what it was. They, so the Commanders. They, yeah. So I knew that they got changed to the Washington football team. And then the Commanders, I missed that one. So I missed that the, update. The least they could do is get Cobra Commanders or fucking mascot. If, if they do that, <laughs> I'm a fan for life. I, you know, that's all I, I'm not asking for much. I just want to see, at least at a game, we're going to go to the game the weekend of Thanksgiving. So uh, I think they're playing the Falcons. I'm hoping to see somebody dressed as Cobra Commander in, in the burgundy and gold. If I don't see it, I might be done with football because I know the Lions ain't going to do shit. They suck. So, like, I've lost all hope. If I can get a Cobra Commander, though, I, I will be a fan. That's hilarious. Win or lose. Yeah, there's a, there's just a lot of feel like I've missed out on in other sports. You know, it's uh, like I, I, if it wasn't for my work, I wouldn't have known that the Raiders relocated. Right. Um, you know, so that was, that was something that was kind of unique. Uh, the fact that, you know, Las Vegas also has a hockey team that kind of came at me by surprise. 
I didn't know that until I saw the Stanley Cup. I, I used to be a huge hockey fan, and I saw the Stanley Cup had the Golden Knights. I was like, who the fuck is that? And I'm like, Vegas. I'm like, get the fuck out of here. And then I guess Seattle has a team now because I, I saw Sports Center last year. And I saw uh, they didn't show that it was Seattle. It said the Kraken. I was like, that sounds like some Seattle shit up there. <laughs> and sure enough, it was. I was like, holy shit. Like, so Seattle's the, got a team. Vegas got a team. So Seattle has a team called the Kraken? Yeah. Like, it's fucking confusing. Uh, I, I think that, they and that's their hockey Winnipeg. team? Yeah. They, I think mm-hmm. they allowed Winnipeg to have a team back. I think they just said, take the Jets back. Like, why not? Um, it, it's... Like it, it's weird because it's like, like you said, once you got into jujitsu, you kind of fell away from the spectator sport. But I think that's the unique and beautiful thing about jujitsu is jujitsu. This is one of the only sports, probably the only sport, where you can go out there and train with Craig Jones, right? Marcelo Garcia, you know. Gordon Ryan, you know, you can train with, you know, our Michael Jordans, our LeBron James, you know, our, our, you know, stars. Whereas if you, if you're a kid playing basketball, it's unlikely that your average, you know, kid playing in the park is going to, you know, cross paths with, you know, fucking Tim Duncan and play ball with them. So um, out here in SoCal, we're really spoiled with the sport, right? Um, obviously it has the whole shock bro culture from when it first kind of came up and it really was introduced in the United States kind of through the Southern California area. Right. And it's interesting and amazing at the same time, when you go to a local tournament and I'm talking like, we have these ones out here called grappling X. I don't know if you have jujitsu world league, if they come out there or not, I know they go to Texas yeah. and stuff. Um, but when I did tap cancer out, right. Like I was at these tournaments and you're seeing Andre Galvao, you're seeing Gabby Garcia, you're seeing Kendall Roosing, Emma Roosing, uh, Mackenzie Dern. You're seeing top names coaching kids, just chilling there. Oh, yeah, hey, you want a picture? Show sure, no problem. And it's like, where would you have ever been in a sport when you have the top names, the top competitors in these sports just hanging out on the sidelines? My buddy, Josue, the guy I was telling you about, dude, he fucking rolled against Kit Dale. Like in a tournament, like he just got bracketed with Kit Dale. Like, oh, this is your, this is your opponent. And like Kit Dale's a fucking, you know, amazing guy. It's like, it was just amazing that these are, this is what it's like out here. Like you have such an exposure to all these things. And then you wonder like when you see them on the big screen and you're like, it kind of almost mind fucks us because we're like, oh, well, they're a really big name, but I also see them like almost once a month at tournaments, you know? Yeah. When we got IBJJF did uh, the DC Open out here for the first time, and I remember I took my goddaughter with me to uh, um, you know watch watch our team compete, and I remember walking in, and I got nervous just walking in. I, I get nervous for my team, so like fuck me if you know I, I try to compete again, like. My my chest was about to explode. Just watch my teammates warm up. It's like holy shit. But uh, walking in the door, Ryan Hall, like I, you know, I'm, you know, I held the door for someone. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah. it's like thanks. And I look, I was like, I grabbed my guys. I was like, holy shit. She was like, what? I was like, this fucking Ryan Hall. She was like, who? I was like, <laughs> never mind, never mind. <laughs> you know, um, you know, it, it's just crazy that 
this sport, you know, we can run into those top names, these top faces. And, and, and they're super nice, you know, Dude, they're, they're super accessible. They just like, oh yeah. yeah, picture, no problem. And you kind of almost have like this celebrity mind fuck of like going, no, I can't ask, you know, LeBron James for a picture. Like that's terrible. But you're like, you know, I'm sure if you just like ran, you know, you're at a tournament, you see Craig, dude, he would take a picture, no problem. And they were, matter of fact, at ADCC, dude, they were doing that. Like, if you went to go grab nachos, Gary Tona was just chilling and he was like, oh yeah, come take a picture. Cool. And you're just getting a picture with Gary Tona, which by the way, if there's ever, and I'm, we should see if we can get this trending, Gary Tonin for Gambit, he would 100%, if I don't even know if he can fucking act, he should be Gambit. End of story. Let's get a live gambit going. Gary Tonin, let's go. I'm down. But- I'll, 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 I'll get that in the stories going. Um, there, there was a Danielle Kelly came out here, did a seminar a few months back. And I, you know, I don't typically, whenever I post on social media, no one tends to see my face. It's even, even doing this sometimes is a struggle to me. I, I usually like have my face like off to the side and like, covered up or the room is dark so you can't really see me so for the record if anybody's uh, listening uh, his face is blurred out and i can't even see it he's <laughs> he's hiding behind a pixelated cloud like pixelated everywhere i move and I, I, you know I, I move to the left once and like the pixelation is like oh shit we're supposed to go with them it's like you're in one of those witness protection program uh <laughs> interviews <laughs> it's like all dark <laughs> the voice is all changed it's like huh that sounded a lot different when we recorded, <laughs> uh, but I, um, you know, I went did the seminar with Danielle Kelly, and afterward, I tagged her, um, you know, in, in the post, in the stories, and she, you know, she replied like, "Oh my God, that was you," <laughs> and it, it was just weird because it's like this is like again, you know, a big name in our sport, and you know, you you get them in your DM like, "Dude, that was you." So, like, our sport is jujitsu's amazing, and I almost kind of don't want it to get any bigger than it is because, right. like, the accessibility to the athletes and everyone's relatively humble and, and just really cool. And I, I just fear, I mean, I don't think it's going to be anytime soon, even if the sport picks up now. I don't think it's going to be anytime in the next 10 years where you're going to get people having major egos about themselves. I mean, even with uh, Gordon Ryan, seemingly, you know, just, you know, through social media, like people like, dude, that guy's kind of a jerk, but actually like everyone that I know that's encountered was like, no, he's a sweetheart. He's such a nice guy. He like, it's like Kobe Covington in the UFC. It's like, he's a really nice guy, but you know, you know, there's a shit talker to kind of get that, that, you know, interest and get, get the crowd riled up for the fights but behind the scenes are just nice guys and i love that about the sport is that it is full of nice athletes who we all have you know a common goal and has to be you know better than we were the day before and whether that takes us to the top of the mountain at adcc or you know you're you're killing it at local tournaments or you're just you know, a hobbyist that's improving and growing in the sport, we all have the same goal and it's to get better. Yeah, dude. And so speaking of that, like when I was at ADCC and I was watching uh, Gordon doing like his signings, like he took this blind guy um, from the side of the lines and like totally spent like some one-on-one time with him. And like, and it was just like, it wasn't like your standard, like 
celebrity book signing photograph. Like he was literally like, Hey, bring that guy over here. You know, he's blind. So he gave him like special attention, took him to the side so they could have a good conversation. And I'm like, man, I know this guy likes to act like a jerk on TV or on, uh, on Instagram or whatever, but I think it's a character. Like, I think he yeah. knows that for the sport to be exciting, he needs to be a jerk to his opponents. Right. And, you know, even like this shit talking with Felipe Pena and all this stuff, if you go and look back and you're mentioning Tito Ortiz and Chuck Liddell in that documentary, it talks about how Joe Frazier and uh, Muhammad Ali had these big bouts and Muhammad Ali was this giant shit talker, right? And it drives an interest in the sport when you have a villain versus a hero and whether the hero is your villain or vice versa, you get interested and you have a horse to bet on. But if you have two guys and they're just couple of nice dudes and they're like yeah i really hope you know he wins and i really hope i win and you know just as long as we have fun right nobody wants to watch that but if he goes like that guy's a piece of shit and here's why and i'm the best bro whatever i'm gonna get a shitload of money because he's gonna pay my rent for or my mortgage for the next six months and you have that kind of shit talking like dude that guy's like interesting you know yeah. and but then you go back to the dichotomy of like that's the Instagram persona. And then you watch him interact with people and he's just super nice. So it, it's funny. And I, maybe hopefully people don't get that. But like, you know. Yeah. And, and the funny thing about it is like, you know, like you're saying the good guy versus bad guy, you know, with the shit talking, the crazy thing is though, with, you know, Gordon Ryan and even Gary Tone and all of them, you know, being big shit talkers. So it's like, Oh, those are the bad guys but no one can beat the bad guys. <laughs> it's like, so it, it gets really weird. Cause you're like, God, I want that guy to lose. It's like, fuck, they're not going to lose. Are they? Right. They didn't break a sweat. Did they? No. Fuck. Are they the good guys now? Oh, well, I mean, we're going to cheer for them because they're really fucking good and we respect their skill. God damn it. But I don't want to, but you got to. Dude. And so like, that's like uh, Bernardo Fario, right? So you, you look at Bernardo Fario and he's just like, absolutely the nicest guy ever. Um, my buddies, they went to that origin camp up in Maine. Uh, Jocko's uh, has an origin and all that. And um, so they go up there and like Bernardo Faria is there and he's like taking pictures and like Jocko did like a video recording, like, you know, you know, doing the thing for my buddy's gym. And like the guys were just all super nice. Right. And then, you know, Mikey Musmetch, I was listening to him on an interview. Like the kids sounds like one of the nicest people on earth. And it's just like the sport has its egos right and you need to have an ego to compete and to want to get better um but i think that sometimes that ego is easily put in check because it's funny we were walking around adcc there wasn't any fights in the stands that i could see or anything like that because you don't know who the fuck's a black belt and will choke the shit out of your ass right so when you're out on the streets you don't realize like if you think you're a top shit boxer, right? And you're like, I'm the fucking best. Maybe you can fucking box somebody out. But when you start realizing, you know, jujitsu and other people know jujitsu and you don't know who knows jujitsu, right? Go back to my buddy, Addison. I was at the time, what? 350 pounds. He was 180. I would have never thought that if it got into a street scuffle, he would have kicked my ass. By the way, he's also, you know, black belt, some other martial arts. And it's like, you would have never known that, but now when you start doing jujitsu, those egos, they really kind of find their place. Yep. Um, you know, it becomes more, I think of a shift into narcissism than it does become an ego and you get them on the mats. Um, you know, 
I run into it a lot, especially as a heavier guy, you know, um, there's a lot of fragile egos that happen. Um, and it's, it's a fucking pain, man. Like that's some of the stuff I've gone up against, man. The most hurtful thing is sometimes the people's egos. Yeah. It's, it's funny. Like when you look at other sports, not even just sports, but just going out and, and having that awareness of who knows what, like I have a ton of different jujitsu shirts, whether it be, you know, something made by my friend Zach who runs student of BJJ or my own shirts, you know, it's some sort of reference to jujitsu. And I started thinking, and I was like, I don't want to, <laughs> that it's, it's, oddly enough, I'm wearing a Batman shirt tonight. Normally I have on a jujitsu. It's either jujitsu or comic book. It, one of the two shirts. <laughs> I think we can have interchangeable word, wardrobes. Like right now I'm wearing the strangle shirt. And this is my buddies. And then uh, I, all I have is Flash and Batman. Uh, that's <laughs> I'm a big Flash nerd. If I could have any superpower, man, it would be a speedster or a teleportation. I love Nightcrawler, but I would definitely have to go with the speedster route. Sorry to cut you off. I just <laughs> I just wanted to bond over the the t-shirts, <laughs> the t-shirt dilemma. Trust me, I actually have a laundry basket over here full of t-shirts that I have to get rid of. And as a t-shirt guy, you never want to get rid of them, but it, it was weighing, weighing the shelves down in my closet and they're about to uh, crumble. So I was like, okay, I got to get rid of so many shirts and I only wear so many. But then when I see, oh, I got, you know, a t-shirt with, you know, X-Men, you know, number 13, you know, on, on the t-shirt, I, I want to wear that. That's nostalgia for the 90s for me. So, um, but, but no, it, it, it's like going out, like, I don't even want to wear anything to say, oh, I do jujitsu because then I don't want someone because jujitsu is growing in popularity with MMA growing in popularity. You know, I don't want somebody then to say, oh, you know, you know this, well, you know, and then they try to, you know, make a point because you do have dummies who don't train, who think they need to prove themselves. Well, I could beat you up. I, I wore my gyms. Uh, I had a jacket when I went to a Ravens game last January, and I'm standing in line to go to the bathroom. And this guy's behind me, and he sees that it says uh, Ivy League MMA, where I trained at at the time. And he goes, Oh, you train that MMA shit? I used to train that shit too. And it's like, as soon as you say shit, that, that shit, it's like, No, you don't. No, you haven't. You probably went to a trial class with a buddy. You got humbled, and you're like, "I yeah, this ain't for me." Like this shit is dumb anyway. They humping on the ground. They don't know how to fight. I'm a fighter. I'll, I'll knock somebody out. No, no, you didn't. No, you won't. So now I've gotten to the point where it's like I go out. I don't want to wear anything that says I train. And, you know, just want to go out and just be me. And I wore a BJJ Wiki shirt out to the bar a few weeks back, and the bartender saw it. He goes, oh, you train? You know, we had a good conversation. So, you know, those are times I do want to wear the shirt out to engage in that type of interaction. But at the same time, it's like, I don't want any negative blowback from it either, which I've only had two instances where somebody said something shitty. And, you know, they just kind of walked. I was like, eh, I don't have to prove myself. And my wife, she, you know, love her to death. She, we went to the county fair last week and she was like, 
Um, give me one of your BJJ Wiki shirts. I'm, I'm gonna wear that to the fair. I was like, all right, look at you promoting me and shit. <laughs> and, and then I put on the X Men shirt. She was like, we're not gonna match. I was like, you know, we we've been together for 22 <laughs> years. You think I'm gonna start matching today? Get out of here. Like, you know, my daughter put on a, like a fucking Green Lantern shirt. So it was like, like meanwhile, the person who doesn't train jujitsu is wearing a jujitsu shirt. And, you know, the other two are like, yeah, let's put on some fucking comic book shit. Let's be nerds. Dude, you know, it's funny. My uh, So my wife, and she has been extremely supportive of everything I've been doing with jujitsu. And uh, arguably, I could not be where I'm at with, you know, losing 115 pounds if it wasn't for her support, right? And she's like, she doesn't train. She trained, uh, she did like a week or two. And then she got hurt. She had like an intercostal muscle thing where uh, her basically like a herniated rib. Um, and that pretty much set her from not wanting to train anymore. And she's just like, I just, it's not, she's not a very sweaty, sticky person. She doesn't like, you know, sweat dripping in her face and all that. Meanwhile, I'm just like over here, like diving face into it. You know, I've got a shake yeah. head. So like, to me, I'm like, I just, I do this little shift like that with my head. And like, all of a sudden it just goes everywhere. Um but she loves wearing my stuff. You know, when we go to tournaments, my daughter, she competes. So, and um, so she definitely loves wearing the Carlson Gracie shirts and she likes wearing it. And um, it's cool because she was actually out and someone's like, oh, you know, you're part of Carlson Gracie team. She's like, oh, no, my husband and my daughter are. I just support them. And supporting is like an understatement. Like I said, man, it's just being able to train six days a week. It, it takes a lot. Um from the house to do that right because there's stuff that's going to get neglected if i'm working and then i'm going straight to training and then she's making dinner you know what i mean and the fact that like dinners have shifted because of uh like i told you when i was around 260 my diet kind of shifted to try and count calories and so she's been very accommodating man and it's having a good woman back you up is a big deal absolutely that it, it, i think again in our sport that's a huge, huge factor is just having that support system, especially at home, because jujitsu is not normal. Like this, not this is not normal shit. <laughs> so, you know, even even when I talk to my grandparents about it, they're like, they look at me like, "The fuck is wrong with you, dude?" Like, you know, but in your household, with the disruption that it, it you know seemingly can be, to have that support under under your roof with you whether it be you know um you have people over and you're watching matches mm -hmm. or you're gonna go out and drill uh my neighbor he came to um he came and did a trial with me was it during like after we reopened after covid he came over and did a trial so you know he'll come over and watch ufc uh cards with me and you know we'll get to talking about grappling and stuff and I, you know i have the puzzle mats downstairs so you know, we might, you know, do some demonstrations on each other there, you know, but having, you know, you, you know, your your spouse, you know, understanding and supporting that versus, you know, saying it's inconvenient or it's weird because mm -hmm. that, that has been a thing too, not for myself personally, but, you know, I've known people to encounter that where their spouse, you know, would rather them not train as much. And it's like, I, I almost quit. And my wife told me, no, you can't quit. She noticed a shift in just my mindset 
and, and bro, it's it's real, man. Like your mindset yeah. and like you get cranky. Like that Saturday I don't train is the mm-hmm. crankiest I am all week. But I'm like, I know my body needs a rest, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And then you know, it's funny, like too, like from a support standpoint, uh, my mom, uh, <laughs> when she's new, I started training. She remembers when I wrestled in high school. I'd be like, Hey, mom, I want to show you this move, and I'd be like, So this is a half Nelson, you know. I would do whatever. And then, like, she asked my wife, she's like, so is Josh trying to trans, you know, do all these moves? And she's like, yes, he's trying to freaking show me a wrist lock. And I'm like, oh, stop that shit. You know, <laughs> it's like she becomes my at home. Okay. I'm like, okay, here's what we learned. Kiss of the dragon. No. Um, so it's like she like tries to run away from me sometimes when I'm like, hey, I just want to show you this move. It won't hurt. It won't hurt. It won't hurt. I promise. And then two minutes later. Ow. <laughs> I tried to get my so my wife she and I have talked about her coming to train and you know she's she's got some um hesitancies with with training and I, I understand and respect them completely but I told her I was like look you know you can come there and and train and you can work with me like you know I'm you know I'm gonna take care of you I'm not gonna let you get hurt um, I, I'm more scared of you than you are of me. Trust me. You, like it's always, you know, the new white belts, like, I, I don't want to hurt anyone. Trust mm-hmm. me. I don't want you to hurt me either, but you're more likely to hurt me than I am to hurt you. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm prepared. But the thing is just having that love and that support and, and the understanding, because without that understanding, without that support, it can be lonely. And, and, you know, damaging to your psyche because, it, it, you know, like Chris Rock had a joke when he's talking about Whitney, Whitney Houston, Bobby Brown smoking crack. And it was like, you know, you got to have common interest. <laughs> you know, you can't be like, you know, you know, what are you doing today, honey? Oh, I'm going to church. What are you going to do? I'm going to hit the pipe, you know? Right. So, you know, it, or at the very least, if you don't have, you know, the common interest, at least support. Because if I'm out here doing jujitsu and my wife is like, uh, jujitsu again, that does weigh on your mind. And you, you know, you either lean heavy into it and then fracture your relationship at home, or you keep the relationship at home, you fracture your relationship with training. And then, you know, there may be some small resentment as to you're not training, but you're not training because you want to be here. So, you know, having that support at home is amazing and, and just, you know, it, it can't be, you know, topped. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's, it's the funny thing about it is, so uh, she was a stay at home mom uh, for a long time. And then I worked from home for a long time. So we were basically like, you know, we spent all the time together. And so being able to go out and train, she's like, thank God I get my house to myself, <laughs> you know? So that's like a nice thing too, is the fact that, you know, it does allow us both to kind of have like that separate, um, which has been great for, I think the relationship part of it too, is that, you know, sometimes, you know, being in the same room in the same house for too long can kind of drive people stir crazy. Um, so it's nice. And then obviously, you know, weight loss is a, is a big benefit for both of us. And then uh, just in general, it, it gives me something to, you know, kind of talk about. And then for my daughter and I, uh, my daughter started training shortly after I did. And she, she, uh, there's two ways I want to talk about this, but like 
when I first wanted her to get going into jujitsu, we have my coach, he has like a really great kids program and he had, a really good women's program too. And so I wanted her to be a part of the kids program. And I asked her, she was doing soccer at the time and she was really timid in soccer. And she would do the thing where she wouldn't want to like go and interject and take the ball from somebody. And I'm like, she just needs to have that more physical contact. So I said, Hey, I want you to promise me three classes. And after their third class, we can decide whether or not you want to stay. And then she's like, okay. So my daughter agreed to it. And then ironically, the biggest thing she was afraid of was doing forward rolls. Um, she didn't like the warmups. She wasn't afraid of rolling. She wasn't afraid of choking. She was like, I don't know how to do a forward roll and I don't want to be embarrassed in front of everybody. So the first day she's crying. She's just in total tears. Doesn't want to go. And I'm basically like, no, you made a promise. You got to go. And I didn't make it about like, I want you to do this. Like, I want you to keep your promise was kind of more or less the parenting angle I took on it. And so at the end of the first class, immediately I asked her in a way to make her say it wasn't bad. I said, how was it? She goes, oh, it's okay. And I go, you want to go tomorrow? And she's like, we'll see. And that to me, I was like, she didn't say no. So then the second day she had her gi on, she had, she was asking, how do I tie my belt? I was like, okay. Then I, the third day, she was knocking on my office door 20 minutes before going. She's like, dad, we got to go to jujitsu. Come on. hundred percent wanted to go, you know? And so she's been doing it ever since. Um, and so, you know, the fact that now her, she does it and I do it, it gives us a good car ride there. And so my daughter and I, we have like a bond now we've always had a really strong bond. There's never been you know, a gap there, but how much stronger it's gotten because now we have this alone time in the car together. We now have a long time, you know, going to the jujitsu and back. We talk about jujitsu. We talk about moves. And then the other day after class, like I snuck up behind her and I went to go do like a rear naked choke and she gets out of it and she comes and she does like a Uchimata throw on me. And like I hit the ground and then she gets side control and then she fucking arm barred me. And I wasn't even expecting it. And she's 11. She's this little kid. And I was just like kind of playfully like, oh, she's at side control. Dude. She does like this chewy fucking arm bar where she like sits up, throws me down, puts her fucking leg over my throat. And I was like, oh my God, my daughter's going to fucking break my arm right now. Like I was not expecting. And I'm like, how fucking cool is that? You know? So the fact that, you know, my, our coaches like created such an awesome environment for that. And the fact that everyone in our school, uh, Carlson Gracie in general, I've noticed is just very much like this, where our school specifically is a lot of families. And either the kids get into it and the parents do, or the parents get into it and the kids do. And it's usually not like one or the other. Like usually if someone's got kids, they're training. And if the kids are there, the parents are probably training. So, or in some capacity, they're involved. And it's really awesome to see like, they've got a huge amount of kids, man. It, it's, and it's so great to see that for the future of the sport too. Um, if you think about jujitsu and again, I just, didn't know what the sport was up until two years ago, but I've done a lot of reading and YouTube watching and I'm like immersed in it. When I'm not on the mats, I'm off the mats doing something else. Right. And I'm trying to like learn more about the sport and how male dominated it was. And the fact that, you know, females are really getting into the sport. Like you said, Danielle Kelly, and you've got Kendall and you've got all these, you know, really talented names, McKenzie Dern, all these you know females that are like out there representing the sport doing well. And now you've got these kids coming up and, the difference now is that 20 years ago, back when it was really heavily male dominated to 10 years ago, where you started seeing the shift in gender, 
our class, man, is like 50-50, right? And you see not only do you have a good representation of both, but now the education that's out there. Uh, one of our black belts was talking about it this weekend at ADCC, how he said when he started the sport, you basically had Carlson Gracie teams, you had like a checkmat team, you had all these different teams, and they all had their different styles. And they would go and compete, and you had these movesets which belonged to Gracie Baja, these movesets that belonged to, you know, John Smith Jiu Jitsu, whatever. And you had these lineages that had their movesets. But now, because of YouTube fundamentals, and you've got BJJ Fanatics and Gordon Ryan doing his stuff, you've got all these DVDs out there where everyone says, this is the best way to open the close guard. This is the best way to do a triangle choke. And you now have all these coaches that go, okay, I was taught this way, but I'm seeing at the top levels, this is how it's done. And this is who taught it to them. This is the instructional. So now you have all these kids that are coming up and they're getting amazing jujitsu that people that have been in the sport for 20 years are trying to break bad habits and stuff. So it's, it's such a cool thing to see that for the future of the sport is obviously back to Whitney Houston. I believe the children are the future, but um, if you teach them well and let them lead the way to jujitsu, you know, they will, uh, they're going to know how to do an arm bar way better than we'll ever learn. Yeah. So it's really cool to see that for the younger ones. I, I feel like when you look at the comparison of where jujitsu was 10 years ago, compared to today, even when my teammate and I, we sat there and we watched, we did an episode on here. I believe it was a, the one year anniversary episode on here. Um, we sat and we watched the first few UFC cards. And we're looking at the jiu-jitsu then that Hoist Gracie was utilizing. And granted, it's a little bit different because it's the MMA set and now he's still in his gi. You know, but there's like opportunities like of like certain points where it's like, that doesn't look like he's got good pressure there. You know, he doesn't have good control there. You know, and, and you know, he ends up going to something else and getting a different choke or something. And it's like, when you look at, what was jiu-jitsu back in 93 when we first all got introduced to it or, you know, even just nineties period. And there's a lot of stuff that kids are learning now, like in intro classes or, you know, within their first six months that, you know, 15, 20 years ago would have been, you know, considered, you know, you know, that high level, you know, training that, you know, you're not ready for this yet. Whereas now we're, you know, throwing kids into the, into the pool and, and they're learning to swim very quickly. Even, you know, now when, you know, I, I go in and train, you know, we get some of the white belts in there and it's like, holy shit, you know, they're learning this stuff. I didn't get to learn this stuff until about a year, you know, into it. And these kids are, you know, coming in, this is, you know, our Wednesday morning class that they're learning, you know, these escapes or, or specific submissions and, you know, heaven, you know, forbid if it's a blue belt dominated class that day, coach is going over wrist locks for some, <laughs> you know, who asked like, what do you guys want to learn? You want to learn cool shit or do you want to learn, you know, the curriculum shit? It's like, Oh, yeah. it's all blue belts in here today. Let's go with the cool shit. And somehow cool shit turns into wrist locks. And I'm like, fuck, like, like, Dude, <laughs> the first wrist lock I ever pulled off was in a fucking tournament because I don't want to wrist lock my teammates, right? And so I'm in this right? tournament <laughs> and I'm already up like 11-0 and it was at the IBJJF in San Diego. And I'm sitting there 
and I, I'm kind of like got this guy and like I'm trying to work a Kimura and I hear my coach yell out, I want you to get a submission. You've got 10 seconds left. And I'm sitting there and I have the Kimura set up, but he's like fighting it really hard. And I see the wrist just dangling. And I'm like, ah, okay, I'm sorry. And I looked at him and I like looked him straight in his eyes and I'm just like, I'm sorry, but my coach says he wants a submission. And I fucking wrist locked him. He's like, tap, 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 tap. And it was one second left, and I got the wrist lock. It was the first one I've only, I've ever done, and I don't think I've really done one since. But, like, I just – I feel like it's, like, such a tough move to, like, do friendly. <laughs> you know, it's like yeah, that is easy yeah. There's no friendly wrist locks out there. Even, even with my uh, one teammate, he doesn't typically train on Wednesday morning. So he and I, you know, we get together. And while we're rolling, you know, he – he's motioning towards it. And, you know, later on he texts me, he's like, dude, I would never wrist lock you. I was like, I know you won't, but you know, and I'm always prepared for the wrist lock. I, I, I'm just, I think last time I got wrist lock was by my coach and I got lazy. Yeah. I just got lazy and confident. Like he's not going to go for the wrist lock. And sure enough, he goes for it. And later on that day, he sends me a text message. It's a picture of a, 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 an arm being x-rayed and the wrist is circled. I was like, how's your wrist doing? And then he went and posted on Facebook and told everybody he wrist locked me. And it's just like, fuck, dude. That now it's like, that set me back. You know, I had a good streak of two years and I get a wrist lock and get one wrist lock once. And now all of a sudden you're known as the guy who gets wrist locked. It's like, fuck, like, like why me? But um, wrist locks are just, it's, they're, they're those, um, upper body equalizers, you know, it's like, and then the fucked up thing is you're up 11 zero. That's just insult to injury. <laughs> I feel bad for the guy, man. Like he was a really nice guy and we're like friends on Instagram now. And like, I felt bad, but it's like my coach is there. And he I even said to me, he's like, no, we do real socks at my school all the time. He's like, I should have guarded it better. And I was like, I was like, I just felt bad, man. Like that was just like his elbow was so tight to his body. He couldn't get it out. Um, the first time I ever got wrist locked was by a black belt. And I had him in my half guard and I grabbed his lapel kind of around like the pec area. <laughs> and I wasn't even thinking all of a sudden he just drops his body weight and grabs my elbow and wrist locked the shit out of it. And I didn't even know wrist. I was probably a month and a half then. And I was like, what the fuck was that? You know, dude, I couldn't wipe my ass for a fucking week. <laughs> like, I was with my left hand. <laughs> I was like, it hurts so bad. I was just like, I can't get it back there. So I was just like, I was like, good thing I have a bidet. But no, wrist locks, man. I was like, I got to make sure I do it to someone's non-dominant ass-wiping hand if I'm ever going to fucking wrist lock somebody. Of course. (laughs) You know, at least if you're you're trying to be nice about it. (laughs) Right. Um, I got, we had um, had several, I don't say several, but we had a few police officers training with us. And I was still early on, so I didn't know. I didn't know nothing. I remember we had this uh, police chief. We called him chief, as a matter of fact. <laughs> um, he's an older guy, and I, I remember coming in, and I was just all athleticism. It was just fast, I'm strong, and I was giving him headaches. And one day, he broke out the secret weapon, the wrist lock. And it wasn't even like he did it once. We, we rolled, this was probably a four-minute roll, he had to have hit five, six wrist locks on me. Jeez. You would have thought I would have learned, but no, I, I'm, you know, I did, and I was dumb. 
and he just kept wrist locking me. Now, I from that point on, he didn't get another wrist lock on me, but I, it, you know, he was cool about it. He, you know, it wasn't like he like slammed it on there. It was kind of like it was just I got I have weak wrist anyway, so it was just enough to let me know that he's in charge. And then we had a training uh, session with one of our affiliate gyms at the time, and one of their blue belts. He and I are rolling. And again, I'm not thinking about wrist locks. I don't even think it's a real thing, to be honest. And this dude wrist locked me, and it was not friendly. And I remember I, I held such a grudge against him. Uh, and once he started following me on Instagram, and you know, he liked a few, um, like he, he followed my, my personal Instagram and like, you know, you know, family stuff. And then he posted something I like it. So it was like, okay, maybe he's not that bad of a guy. But I'm not going to ever fucking forget he wrist locked me. And and it wasn't even like he didn't give me a point. I was a white belt. So he, I'm sure he just looked like, oh, fresh meat. Fucking wrist locked me. He's like, serves you right, bitch. And I'm, I'm sitting there questioning my own life now. I go home and I'm sitting there thinking, it's like, is this for me? Maybe, maybe I need to, you know, go take a badminton or something. Dude, like, so wrist locks almost did you in. Yeah, wrist locks. Dude, dude. that's fucking like, wild. No, because the way that he wrist locked me, because well, he he's a competition blue belt, so he's in it to win it. And, you know, I'm just a hobbyist. He, he hit that wrist lock. I thought it was the end. I was like, fuck this. I think I'm done. I might not. I might not come back. So, <laughs> you know? so I got to ask. So at your gym or maybe just the affiliate. Are the blue belts allowed to wrist lock white belts? Oh, yeah. Oh, see, my coach is like, he's like, okay, he's like, as long as you're a white belt uh, with no stripes, uh, you can't get uh, ankle locked. You can't get a straight ankle locked or toe hold and you can't be knee barred and you can't be wrist locked. And then once you get your first stripe, he allows uh, straight wrist, uh, straight foot locks, but still no knee bars, toe holds or um, wrist locks. And so I'm rolling with, as because I'm a blue belt, and so I'm rolling with like white belts and stuff. And I'm like, you know, they're like maybe like in a dominant spot, but then they're being like super lazy with watching the wrist lock. And I'm like, yep. God, I want to fucking wrist lock this guy right now. <laughs> you know, I was like, I know it'll fucking get me out of this position. I was like, but I got to find another way. So it's actually good for me because I'm not relying on wrist locks. Like I'm actually having to find yeah. other avenues to get out of like other positions and stuff. So, um, so for us, wrist locks are on the table. Ankle locks are not, for, you know, for the white belts. Um, and I, I think, well, in our fundamentals and mixed mix levels classes, the ankle locks are off the table. Now, if it's after class and it's a couple blue belts rolling, you know, that's fine. Uh, hole hooks and a gi, we, we don't allow... Um, and but wrist locks across the table, you know, all across the board. You yeah. can wrist lock anyone. Now I think I don't. Oh yeah, because the, uh, there was one of the white belts. He tried to wrist lock me. I was like, I don't know if the white belts can, but yeah, they can. Because this one little bastard, he was a little scrawny fella, nice kid. He kept trying to wrist lock me, and I kept. I was like, what the fuck are you doing? And then he went for it. He was like, stop trying to be a villain. And he was like, um. I can't remember what he said, but I was like, dude, this is not cool. And I went to visit another gym out in Virginia and I had a body triangle on the kid. And like, um, he, he tried to wrist lock me 
while I had his back. And I was like, dude, don't be a bad guy. I was like, you're the one with the body triangle. Who's really being the bad guy? I was like, uh, <laughs> all right, I guess you're right, but now I got to figure out, like, not, you know, not let this kid wrist lock me. But, it, you know, it's all, all in good fun. Nobody means no one no harm as far as I know. So, yeah, you should hear. Uh, do you follow uh, Pete the Greek? Oh, yeah. Actually, Pete, Pete the Greek, one of my teammates went up there because my, my teammate, he's from Chicago. Originally, he went back home to visit and he, he went over and trained with Pete and he learned a couple of different wrist locks and brought those back here and tried to do them on me. And then I went and messaged Pete and was like, dude, well, like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, you're teaching my teammates wrist locks and they're bringing them back home. He's he like, like throws on his Instagram. He's like, advertisement, yes, please. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. And then like I, I said, and he he just goes, Wrist lock the world. <laughs> I was like, like uh, I mean, you're right, but still, don't like don't be sending people back with that shit. Like dude. it's bad enough the dude already kicks my ass, and now you're sending them back with wrist locks. Dude, that's funny, man. Yeah, we have um heel hooks are another one that are like we don't obviously do heel hooks in the key. Um, we our school pretty much follows IBJJF rules. Um, we're not a huge competition school necessarily. Like we've got some folks that like to compete, but um, our coach just tries to really follow the IBJJF rules, and it makes the most sense. And um, so we we uh, <laughs> so we don't allow heel hooks in the gi. But like I got a buddy, and he's really like in a heel hook mindset right now. And so even though we're in the gi, he was like heel hooking me last week at open mat. And I'm like sitting there looking at him and he's looking at me and we're just kind of like, it's like two people in the wild West, like willing to draw guns, you know? And he's just like, Ooh, wow, wow, wow. <laughs> and then like, he's just like going, I got your heel. I'm like, we're in the fucking gi, don't you goddamn do it. <laughs> um, but so then we rolled tonight. Um, we rolled tonight. We're so my school, we do uh, two weeks of gi and then two weeks of no gi, um, which is kind of interesting. A lot of schools, I don't think, do that. And uh, the reason our coach likes to do that, and it makes a lot of sense to me, is that um, when you're doing gi like four days a week and then you do one day no gi, how well can you really retain that one day of no gi lesson over the course of four weeks, right? You're yeah. getting four hours of training over the course of a month for no gi and then everything else is all gi so it really gets washed out so for consistency's sake of being able to learn both um he showcases both two weeks at a time so right now we're kind of in a no gi or in a gi session even though we came back from adcc and we're both kind of chomping at the bits to do some no gi so we took our gi tops off tonight and we brought we rolled no gi and fucking heel hooked me like four times i'm like fuck <laughs> it's just like he's like super athletic and he's just really good and um so it was just kind of funny because I really haven't picked up any of the ankle attacks yet. Like I, I've kind of avoided that um, until now, starting to now kind of dive into that. Um, so I think as of maybe the last three weeks, I started focusing because when I when I do a lot of my training, uh, I take one training thing that I'm looking at, like it's a mount system or deep half or half guard, whatever it may be. And I will train it for like three or four months. And like that's kind of, I'm just super dedicated to one thing I'm trying to do. And yeah, you know, you'll have the moves that, you know, we try and maybe I'll try and drop it in during a roll or something from class. Um, but what I'm really trying to do is just kind of hone in on one system at a time. And then that way I kind of like solidifies on my brain. So I'm shifting away from, I think the mouse system, cause I've been doing that for about three months now. 
And I'm going to see if I can try and get in heel hook or leg attacks, and just leg injuries in general. Yeah, with one of my teammates, he and I, um, we, like, we're good friends. It's the same guy who was like, I'll never risk Lockie. And I was like, I know. I remember I come back to train. I have been training for a while. He and I, you know, we get into a scramble. We end up in 50-50. He has my leg, and he's going for a straight ankle lock. And I've got his leg, and I'm positioned for a hill hook. And we're just sitting there, eye contact. We're looking at each other, seeing who's going to who's gonna go first. And we're in a gi, so he knows I'm not going to hill hook him. And he, you know, we continue to stare. And, you know, I kind of posture, like I tighten up a little bit. And then he was like, okay, you know what? Fuck this. Let me go first. And I tapped in. And it was like, it was like, Hill hooks and uh, hill hook in the game now. I was like, you know, I wasn't gonna hill hook you, dude. I was like, I know. That's why I ankle locked. I was like, okay, fair enough. <laughs> like, like you beat me to it, and you you call my bluff because like we're not allowed to do it. You know, you get caught doing it. I, you know, I don't it, it, like you get yelled at. I don't think you know. I always wonder. It's like I'm just gonna do it. What's worse is gonna happen. Oh, he'll yell at me, and then I'll probably get my ass kicked by coach. You know, and then you have to ask yourself, maybe I liked it. I don't know. Maybe I'm going to do it again now. I see you like descending into like the villain territory right now. You're like, you're like, I hate wrist locks, but I'm going to heel hook the shit out of someone in the game. (laughs) Well, and that's the thing is like, like wrist locks, I don't know, because I have super sensitive wrists. So if you even like right now, my wrist hurts as is, I should just tape it up. But it's like you look at my wrist and I'm like, oh shit, I should tap. But then because I'm so spiteful, I'm like, fuck this. I'm going to hill hook somebody. It's like, where's that six-year-old? And it's like, you know, it's a little kid. He's just like, what did I do? What did I do? Well, you hill faster. That's what you do. Come here. I'm going to send you, I'm going to try and find as many dainty wrist memes as possible. And I'm just going to be sending them to you. BJJ Wiki and his dainty wrists. I'll just be sitting there like, like spazzing. I'm always like, what's wrong with you? Like, no, not another one. <laughs> no more. Um, I'm just gonna like create a bunch of Instagram accounts and just like send them to you from all over. You're just gonna get like flooded with dainty wrist memes. You know what? It's better than some of the shit that I get. <laughs> I, I I get like I think people really truly genuinely think I'm affected by them bullying me. It's like, dude, it's the internet. You you can say my content's trash, but guess what? You just gave me a follow. So thanks, dickhead. Someone like. I had a bunch of nasty comments earlier today on the post. I was just like, okay, well, you have to follow me in order to comment. That That's I have that setting on. So as soon as I saw the shitty comments, I was like, thanks for the follow, assholes. Right. Like, and, and most people forget to unfollow. So it's like, I'm just going to keep those follows. And um, I'm going to have to wrap us up very soon. Because, Josh, this has been fucking great like thanks man like talking with you is like like talking with an old friend like i'm starting to find that lately like like these instagram connections it's like we all have a lot more in common than besides just jujitsu it's like just the humanism of it all yeah i think there's like a i i want to say there's it's funny because the way i look at it man is like you've got like all these different personality archetypes but when you do find people in jujitsu it kind of weeds out a lot of the shittier ones, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, there's a couple that stick around for a little bit, but um, I remember there's this guy, man, and he was just kind of a bully. Cause I was like really heavy. Like he used to call 
call me out on it. He's not around anymore. Uh, and then, you know, you still run into that now and then, like I was rolling with this guy and, uh, you know, after we're done, he's like, well, there's not much I can do against fat. And I'm like, bro, at the time I was like 240. And I was like, you did just fine against me when I was 350. I go, what's the excuse now other than I've gotten better? And he's like, well, you know, it's just, you're, you're a big guy. And I'm like, I get that, but you did just fine when I was bigger, <laughs> you know, and it's just like, and it hurts, you know, and there's this lady and she's at my school and she started and she was just under 300 pounds. Um, and she's lost about 40, 45 pounds now. And, um, she was rolling with someone the other day and they were just kind of giving her a shitty attitude. And she's like, I don't want to give people all my weight and I don't want to give people, um, like, I don't want to hurt my, my training partners. And, and there's kind of this thing where you're like a big person, right? But the lighter people don't, aren't afraid to go s s fast on you, right? The lighter people aren't afraid to really get their skinny ass arms underneath your neck and choke the shit out of you. They don't realize that like, hey, you've got a big ass arm. It's a lot harder to try and grind under that chin. It doesn't slip in there as easy. Um, and so for the bigger folks that are rolling, you know, there's an intimidation factor. And when you walk in, you're like, I just don't want to squash people. And I feel uncomfortable and I'm out of shape and I'm out of breath. And you know, there, there's a part of it where some bigger guys told me like, don't hold back because it's going to fuck up your jujitsu down the road. But then you run into these bullies and you feel like you have to hold back because you're like, well, man, he just called me fat. And, you know, and again, I don't think those people really stay around very long. Um, but my thought now is, uh, is like, I'm not holding back. Like I'm going to use my weight. And if you can't handle my pressure, then you need to get better. And I know that's kind of an arrogant thing to say, but that's what we're here for is to make each other better. And so if my pressure is big on you and you expect to go to a bar and use jujitsu, what are you going to do? Not pick the fight with a guy that's 240 because his, you're afraid he might have too good pressure. You know, if you're using it in a real world scenario, you need to have real world pressure. And that, so that's, I actually told her, I said, I'm going to get back to you on my response to her. Cause it's like, I'm still trying to think like, I don't want her to hurt anybody. Right. Um, but at the same time, I really think that, for the bigger folks that are rolling and they kind of struggle with the weight loss and they're struggling with finding partners to roll with, because I'll tell you, man, I've looked at people in the eyes. I'm like, Hey, want to roll? And they go look at me up and down and they go, not today. And it's like, I get it. Right. I'm not expecting 110 pound guys to want to roll with me. And what, even if you're 180, like that's still a big difference, right? Weight classes exist for a reason. Um, so I do have to respect that. But at the same time, uh, if you do agree to roll with me, and you want me to hold back or something, say it. But if you're going to go fast and spazzy and fucking try and fly an arm bar me because you're 135 pounds, I'm going to try and smash the shit out of you. It's only fair. I have to mash my speed against or your speed against my brawn. Um, and again, I think it just makes us better. But it's just, you know, back to what you're talking about of like, I think jujitsu is full of a lot of good people. And I do think the shitty ones kind of, um, they kind of fall away at some point. Like, I don't think they stick with it at the highest levels. Um, and if they do stick with the highest level, I think they've been humbled and they've changed their personality. I know a lot of people who've said that has happened to them where they're like, I was an asshole when I started. Yeah. I think with that, like you said, you got to play to your strengths, you know, um, you know, whether you got to use your brawn or your speed, you know, whatever it may be, you got to work to what's going to work in your advantage. And also one thing that I like to always think about, and especially, you know, the 
the people are leaving nasty comments on one of my posts earlier. The thing that frustrates me is like this person that I reposted, she's always been getting attacked by people for whatever reason. People attack her. I don't know. Maybe she's been shitty to them. I don't know. Maybe she's been shitty to people and they're just, they see her post and they, they, they get angry. I don't know. Regardless though, you know, they can fuck off. But the one thing I always think about, and Joe Rogan has said this, is like, you know who doesn't talk shit to people? Winners. You know, only people who were, you know, losers and, and you know, you know, have no direction are ones on social media talking shit. And of course, you know, for the people who had something shit, it's that went and looked, oh, look at that. You have what? 300 followers and i know that's not an indicator of anything but it's like you know you have 500 posts 300 followers and you're following a thousand people okay or my favorite one the blank screen the blank uh profile picture they follow a bunch of people no followers no posts oh so this is a troll account okay right. that's really really cute so you know it's like you know in this community we run into a lot of you know adversity and for those that you know embrace that and, and, and face it head on you know those are the individuals that stick around versus the ones who say well you know i can't go against you because you know you know you're bigger than me you know you're making excuses and chances are you're not going to stick around long because you're making excuses everything's an excuse why you can't roll with somebody and why are you even there on the mats with them? So, yeah, it's tough because I mean, like I said, I don't want to be disrespectful to somebody and be like, hey, you have to roll with me. Like, no one's entitled. I'm not entitled to that. No one's entitled to roll with me, right? They're not forced to. Um, and there's days, man, where I was in class and I was in my heavier and I would leave in tears because I sat on the wall and people told me no. And I still had to fucking come back and, and figure it out. And thankfully, I had some key people that I really like training with and they're higher belts, you know, they're purple Brown at the time and they would, doesn't matter whether they're 150 pounds, they would work my ass and they would always train with me if they were there. So I really had that to rely on, which I think helped me get into, cause I like to compete a lot. And so that really got me into the more of the competition set because they were beating my ass up. I'm like, well, if I can survive six minutes with this guy, I can go five, six minutes in a competition with someone else at my skill level. Um, so it really helped me actually get more into a competition mind. And then another part of that too, is that they knew I was there to try and get myself better. Right. So they were really willing to help out and they were also skilled enough to not allow me to hurt them. You know, and if they even had a day like, Hey man, my knees jacked today. Um, let's just start on the news. Right. Okay, hey, cool. You know, whatever. Um, they, they always say, if you ever get hurt, it's your own fault, right? If you are doing what you're supposed to be doing and you're, you're doing stuff and you're not being all wackadoo, uh, if you get hurt, it's on you unless somebody just goes out and they just fucking punch you for some shit. You know what I mean? But like, but generally like if you're hurt and that was something that was really drained and drilled in my head was that I would sometimes have a victim victim mentality when I first started. Like, I'd be like, Oh, this guy really fucking hurt my elbow, man. And he tweaked it wrong. They're like, should have been in that position, man. And I'm like, no, but you're not listening. You know, I, I was here and they're like, dude, I don't care. That's on you. Where should your elbow have fucking been? And I'm like, well, on the inside, but I was trying to enough, enough, but I was trying. 
And that's been a big evolution for me is like the accountability, not only for my weight, but also for how I roll and how I treat myself, and my training partners. Uh, there, there's an accountability there that I've picked up over the last few years. That's really changed who I am. Um, so for me, anyways, it's just trying to go back to the bullying part is like, there's the internet bullies, right? Where they will message you and like, Hey dude, you look fucking fat or Hey, you know, your content's trash or whatever, you know, I'm sure you've probably getting bullies from all different angles or whatever. Um, but like Tom DeBlas says, show up at my gym. Where are you at? You can't. Here, here's my gym address, right? And then you have like the guys in the class who will be like, man, you're just too fucking fat, you know? And they just say it. And then you're like, sorry, I'm trying. And then I said that to a guy like uh, about a week and a half ago, actually. You know, he rolled with me three months ago. He got really upset. And he almost looked like he wanted to fight me. Like, and I was just giving him, I was giving him the juice. You know what I mean? And afterwards he was really mad. He didn't want to shake my hands. And I go up to him in the corner. I'm like, shake my hand. And he shakes my hand. I go, there's no hate here, man. We're just rolling. And then um, he was like, yeah, but you know, you're just a big guy. And he goes, and he's a skinnier guy and he's a higher belt than me. But like, I was giving him sauce, you know, and I was just trying to match energy because he's somebody who I really respect. And I, I upset him and he's just saying, Hey, and then finally a couple of days later, he's like, Hey man, that wasn't on you. That was on me. And that accountability part came in, right. Where he was just having a bad day and he was upset. And then, and so I rolled with him again about a week and a half ago. And he's like, Oh man, he starts laughing. He's like, you really have lost a lot of weight. Your pressure shit now. And I was like, well, dude, last time I tried to roll with you, I said, you wanted to fucking throw down. I said, I felt like a fucking, you know, Oompa Loompa trying to roll with you if you don't want my pressure. I said, so I wasn't giving you pressure tonight. And he was like, and you can see the look in his face, man. And I felt bad. Uh, but he's like, man, I'm sorry. And he, like, it really just like you had that humanity where I just told him, hey, I felt bad about giving you that pressure before. Um, so I didn't do it again. And he's like, next time, give me the pressure. And so then we rolled last night and I just fucking just drove my shoulder into his fucking face. And he's like, gets out of the roll, and he's like, I see that pressure, <laughs> you know. So there's no malice, right? It's just, and it goes back to that conversation before, where that ego and narcissism kind of takes over sometimes. And if you're having a bad day, it happens. But um, I think being respectful is important. Watching out for your training partners is obviously important. Um, but I think that if you were to pull your punches on your weight or pull your punches on your speed. You're only going to hurt somebody's training and development and your own. You're going to handicap yourself in the long run. Um, there's a really big guy. He's a purple belt in my school. And uh, he's been training for a while. And he's like kind of been a mentor for me for the big perspective of how to use the power, right? Like I have all these different mentors, man. That's the thing I love about jiu-jitsu is there's so much data to pull from. And he's like, stop being weak. Stop pulling your punches. Stop being light. He goes, make my life miserable. If I don't want you to be, if I don't want to be in a miserable spot, I will get out of it. I will find a way. He goes, but I'm comfortable here. You're not going to be giving me this pressure in a tournament, are you? Because if you are, you're going to fucking lose. And so he's just like, make my life miserable. And then like, I'll make his life miserable, finger quotes. And then he always lets out like a groan of like satisfaction. Like, oh, that's the stuff, you know? <laughs> so like, so he's an awesome guy, man. And so it's like having all these different people to kind of help forge me. 
I'm really a product of everybody in my school, man. It, it's just such a good environment. It's really cool. Yeah, I think that that's the key thing there too, is being, um, you know, in, in a positive environment, a, a great group, because like I say, you are a product of that environment. If you all are building off each other and growing off each other, it's going to show in your role in, it's going to show in, in, you know, the leadership that's, you know, passed on to you, you know, from, you know, those higher ranks and your coaches even as well. Uh, we we have one of our, well, he's lost quite a bit of weight now. It's funny. He's lost a lot of weight and I've gained a lot of weight. So we've kind of flip-flopped. You found it. Wow. <laughs> uh, he, I remember early on with him rolling, uh, you know, we got one guy specifically that would always complain about that guy being bigger than him. And that's, you know, oh, you know, you're just big. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, like that's no excuse now because now he's technical and and he's good. You know, what's your excuse now? You know, he's lost a lot of weight. You still can't match him. And the funny thing is, though, he, you know, would say that about him. Oh, well, you're just big. But then meanwhile, you know, my jiu-jitsu is like he's gotten better than me. This guy who's complaining when he rolls with me, I'm much bigger than him. I don't hear him complaining there. You know, right. you know when, when he's inverted and rolling around underneath me, I don't hear no complaints. Well, every so often he'll invert and it gets kind of annoying. So I'll like drop a knee into his like chest. I'm like, okay, you got to stop, dude. Like, you're moving too fast. I just can't keep up. So I got to pin you right here for a second. You, you but, know, I'm oh, sorry. I mean, sorry, sorry, no, go no, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, um, so, you know, what it makes me think of is like, there's this uh, brown belt who is a big guy also and he's just like super athletic and um, he trains now down in uh, an area elsewhere because he lives on base he's a marine and for me like he's always been a guy who would pick me out of the crowd and be like come on let's roll come on let's roll and he's a ultra heavy and super heavy like he's right around that 208 215 area and so he can fluctuate in either classes uh, for competing he wanted my weight like he wanted it because it makes him better and so for every guy that turns me down or turned me down they were generally lower belts and maybe they couldn't handle it whatever and that's totally understandable right but it allowed me to train with these beasts right these really fucking strong guys that are really good and so who's my jiu-jitsu getting like is it getting like the guy who wants to continuously turn me down or is it getting my jujitsu like the guys who are taking me on as a challenge and want to fucking use my weight and they want to float me around and dude, like my, my game is a bottom game. Like I, I do a lot of half guard. I do deep half. I was in a tournament and a guy was like, did you just fucking pull deep half on me? And I was like, yeah, man. He's like, he's like, I'm fucking 300 pounds. Like you're deep halfing me. I'm like, it's not a big deal. You know, it's like, it was just funny. So like, my game has really evolved in from a small guy's game. And my coach, man, he's a smaller guy. Like he's like 160 pounds, like five, five, I think five, six, somewhere around there, maybe five, eight. Um, but he's like smaller. And so I've learned a very small guy's game and I just try and implement it. And then I've rolled with these beasts, man, that like take me in. So if anyone's discouraged that people turn them down, fuck them. Right. And I'm sorry. And I don't mean to be curt, but at the end of the day, you're paying a fee just like everyone else, people have a right to turn you down, right? And, and that's the thing is, 
if they're turning you down because they're afraid of getting hurt, totally understandable. If they're turning you down because they're afraid you're going to hurt their ego, that's fine too. But find the people that will roll with you. And then those people that will roll with you are going to be the ones that you want to roll with anyways, because they're going to be the ones that make you better. And so it's just like that guy that you're saying who didn't want to roll with you, man. It's like the same thing of like, you know, you end up finding a spot where you end up kind of surpassing him, you know? Yeah. It's, it's really a, a game of, uh, was it iron sharp sharpens iron? Yeah. That's dude. Yeah. That's a, one of our statements that we say all the time is iron sharpens iron. Hey, I, Everyone that I've rolled with, whether it be from the beginning, you know, as a white belt, getting murked by a, a, you know, 14 year old and not understanding why this kid beat me. He's the reason I stayed in jujitsu because I wanted to get revenge. I never could because he was just so much fucking better than me um, as he continued to grapple and then wrestled in high school and became a state champion. That was just like, fuck, you know, and it's not even a mind game of me beating myself. It was just. I went out there with the intent. I tried. The best I got was we got stuck in 50-50. And we just sat there and looked at each other. <laughs> um, but, you know, growing off of that or, you know, bringing in new guys and then watching them grow and they, you know, watching them surpass you or, you know, rolling with, you know, the young lady who's super technical. So now you have to match right. her technique. You know, instead of trying to, like, out-muscle her, it's like, okay, well, look. I know I'm stronger than you, but I want to be as technical as you too. So now we're going to match, you know, you, you're taking in all these things. Like you say, you're a product of your, your, your gym, your product of your environment and your team. And if you got anyone on the team, that's like, well, I can't roll with you because you're too big. It's like, well, you know what? That's your loss, dude. Cause like, look at me as an obstacle. And if 100%. you can't get through this obstacle, what are you going to be like? And, and let's say, like I said, if you're at a bar, right. this is a real world situation. You see a big guy and he imposes his will on you. What right. are you going to do? You're going to say, oh, you're too big for me. I'm going to go ahead and get in my car. <laughs> yeah, dude. So, right. uh, it makes me laugh that you're just talking about that. There's this kid at my school and his name's Jose. He's like 15. He's a green belt. And he's been training since I think he was like five. Like he's basically been on the mats longer than most black belt or some black belts, right? And um, so he's just a beast and he's a wrestler and he's like 120 pounds, like super light, literally half my weight, right? And uh, so I'm rolling with this this kid or this guy that comes in and and it's always the question of when you know I roll with him, they go, How heavy are you? Right. That was the question I would get. And I go, doesn't matter, right? Like. I'll answer the question. I'll be like, oh, 240 at the time or 245. And I go, but it doesn't matter. I go, watch. And I said, and I, so I call Jose over and I go, Jose, let's roll. And he's obviously this like petite high school teenager kid, like freshman, right? And uh, so he rolls with me. He just dominates me, kicks my ass. And as I'm like underneath and he's got pressure on me, he's choking the shit out of me. I'm looking at that guy who asked, like, how heavy even are you? And I'm like, He's not asking that question, you know, and Jose's just laughing, man. And he's just kicking my ass. And it's, it's great because I mean, if, if anything's a reason to get your kids into jujitsu, I mean, it's stories like yeah. kids like Jose that can fucking 14, 15 years old, take down a grown ass man. And I, 
that was just dude that was like a month ago it wasn't even that long ago maybe two months ago like i knew jujitsu and he still fucking took me down you know he just knew more jujitsu and better jujitsu yeah. so it's I mean, cool that that's the beauty of it is you know especially when you get these kids and you watch them they're just prodigies and they're growing and they're learning and their and their bodies are growing into jujitsu so as yes. they're developing they're developing in a way where they're accustomed to jujitsu. Whereas, you know, us, we're older. It's like, okay, <laughs> I, I don't know that I can bear in bolo, but I'm going to learn. Right. And meanwhile, they, that this, like my daughter, one of my, my teammates, he made a point. And then I watched my daughter one day. Naturally, a lot of our movements as children are a lot of jujitsu movements. Like when kids stand up, they do combat stand-ups. I remember watching my daughter. I'd never, she's never seen me do this. She's never seen me do a combat stand-up, but I would watch her get up off the floor and it was a combat stand-up. I was like, holy shit, he's right. You know, um, like she was, you know, she would Granby just for funsies. She's laying on the floor, she just Granby. It's like, okay. And it's a lot of this stuff we unlearn as we grow up. And it's not even that we right. unlearn it. It's just like, we don't do it often enough where it's something that's hardwired into our system. Whereas, you know, like even now when I get up off the floor, yeah, it's a brand new stand up. I don't <laughs> like, you know, mosey to my knees and then like, grow <laughs> and it's just like, just a grand stand up. I was changing a tire and I got up off the ground and my wife was like, why did you get up that way? I was like, what are you fucking talking about? Get up what way? And then I realized, like, oh, it's it's hardwired into me now. And then I see my daughter do it. I was like, oh, it was already there. It's just we lose it because, you know, for whatever reason, whether we, you know, I, I can't imagine somebody on a football field go out there and make a tackle and then they stand up by doing a Grammy stand up. That'd be a <laughs> right. little weird. But, you know, it, you know, it's along that path that we kind of lose ourselves when we start playing other sports. So, well, even if you think about grips, man, like, Remember when your daughter was like an infant and she would like grab something and her grip strength was just oh fucking God. ridiculous, right? It's yeah. like, so I'm a hairy dude. And like my daughter, like when I was really little, like she could probably hold herself on my chest hair. Like it was like monkey strength, dude. And it was just like, and now I think about like grip strength now, like, man, if I only had the grip strength of a baby, like I could probably fucking do a lot better jujitsu, you know? Uh, all right. So... <laughs> We've been recording for a while, my friend. Oh, yeah. yeah this has been fun. <laughs> no, 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 it's good. That's all the best episodes end up turning to like, look, man, we should wrap up now. And then we go for another 45. It was like, just kidding. So let's go ahead and wrap up. I, I want to do this again, though. This was, this okay. was a lot of fun. So um, and then plus, before we even recorded, we talked for another hour's worth of podcast. So like even all that conversation was like, dude, like. We're all over the place. So, um, Josh, thank you for doing this. Um, before we get out of here, do you have any shout outs or mentions you want to throw out? Um, yeah. Uh, so definitely want to thank, um, and I know I, we mentioned earlier, but uh, my wife and daughter, like to me, my wife's support and the fact that my daughter does this with me and she took the brave steps to get on the mats is a huge deal. Uh, my parents, my dad comes out to all my competitions. Um, we've had a huge bond through jujitsu. Um, he doesn't do jujitsu, you know, he's in the sixties, uh, but he definitely comes out and watches my tournaments and stuff. Uh, my guy, Keith, who got me started, uh, I tell him all the time, it saved my life. Postway took me under his wing. 
Addison, who's been a huge inspiration, my coach, Orlando, um, Patrick, and then Alicia from Carlson Gracie out in Phoenix. Uh, there's a really cool story there to tell, but uh, long story short, I was out at a tournament uh, six hours away from my house and she dropped what she was doing and came over and sat in my corner. And that's kind of where I fell in love with the sport was uh, finding the fact that I had the same gym patch on my back. Uh, she was able to come in and just jump in and say, hey, I'll coach you. Um, it really made me feel like I was part of a community, which is really what's kept me here. So be nice to the folks that you're with. Be a good training partner. And um, yeah, that's really all I had, man. And thank you. Uh, thank you and everybody that's listening to hearing me rant and going over everything I, I had to say. So definitely want to say thank you for the opportunity to talk. And this has been really fun. Oh, man. Thank you again. When you reached out to me, you're asking about other podcasts in, in, in my collection to listen to. I was like, well, dude, why don't you come on and be one of those episodes? Like, So thank you for reaching out. Thank you for giving me your time. And again, I want to have you back on again. This was fun. This this was a lot of fun. I feel like, you know, as these conversations kind of grow and, and you get to know each other, you build a, a friendship. So this was a lot of fun. It feels like, again, talking to an old friend, just sitting here cracking jokes and, and laughing. So thank you for that. Yeah. And if, and if anybody wants to reach out to me and ask me questions on weight loss, or if they're struggling with something from a heavy perspective and they're trying to use jujitsu to lose weight, um, I please reach out to me. I, I'm, I'll give you anything I know. And if I can't figure it out, if I don't know it, I'll help you figure it out. I'll find someone who does. Um, I've had a lot of great resources and that's been a huge reason why I was able to stay in the sport. And um, I would love to be able to help anybody out that wants assistance of any sort with jujitsu and losing weight. Excellent. I'll make sure to put your um, Instagram handle in the notes. So that way people know where to reach you. Cool. Awesome. Dante, thank you so much, sir. No problem. No problem. And everyone else out there who's listening. Thank you. As always, uh, if y'all got any questions, concerns, feel free to reach out to me at bjj.wiki on instagram or off the match podcast on instagram either or um you know you want to be a guest on the show reach out let me know i'm a friendly guy and i'm not going to say no unless you want to talk about something fucking weird but the weirder the better so if you want to get on here and get like freaky let's go son let's do it but um otherwise i'm here uh, i want to give a big shout out to my good friends eric and ali over there armbar addict I need to reach out to Allie. So, hey, if y'all are listening, Allie, I, I saw you out there uh, competing over the weekend at um, ADCC and everything. So, like, we got to get you back on here, girl. And um, big shout out to my guys over at Nerd Rage Radio, Bobby, Joe, Chris. Love you guys. Um, and last shout out is to my other show, So You Like Horror. Go check it out if you like scary shit. I watched the Exorcist tonight before recording, and I got the Exorcist 3 on in the background right now. And there was a weird knock on my door that I can't explain, and my daughter's bedroom door is closed, so I'm fucking freaked out. But I'm probably going to talk about that this Friday on the upcoming episode. So stay tuned. Otherwise, thank you as always. I love you all. You guys keep listening. I'm going to keep making these shows. Thank you, everyone, and bye. Now let me see his song.